it is your annual Wrestlemania review show from the Chair Shop Podcast. Coming hot on the heels of the absolutely adored, critically acclaimed show we did last week. Oh, lads, running down the Wrestlemania card. I mean, I think that was one of our best ever. I mean, I, I laughed, I cried, I learned lessons, right? Um, and, and, and I just, I, I'm so glad that the public adored it as much as we adored making it. Um, uh, that's a that's a real source of pride for me. Anyway, here to recreate the magic of that show is one Mr. Paul Griffin. I liked the bit where we talked about Easter. That was great. Uh, it's weird. I mean, I, I'm sure if, if people missed the show last week, they might be stunned to learn we are now a, a strictly Catholic uh, a podcast. A strictly but, um, Catholic, gonna... 15 minute long podcast. So there's go- there's there's gonna be. Uh, mass guff every week. I mean, we're going to talk about how great mass was, and let me tell you, I I really appreciated that uh, Father Byrne in Jamesburg. He brought out the big guns for WrestleMania Sunday Mass. I mean, he knew it was the it was the showcase of the immortals, literally, and the most important immortal, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Um, I mean, he really he he brought the goods. He really did. Um, running out the team as always, running out the Holy Trinity, if you will, is Mister Joe Towner. Howdy here. Tony's going to be giving us the Protestant view on uh, all, all evangelical matters. Yeah, so so like mm. you know, we believe we believe that you know Roman Reigns is present in the belt when he's fighting for <laughs> Joe. Believes the belt is merely representative of his status as a champion. Uh, that you would be an ecumenical matter. That's it. That's it. So anyway, folks, our show was lost to the ether last week. Uh, we had some technical issues. We've been having a lot of those lately. It's my fault. Paul, it was my fault. No, Paul tried. Listen, now Paul tried his damnedest. He did try his damnedest. I mean, the fact Sometimes, that the fact that there was fifteen minutes to recover a is a miracle. <laughs> it's, a, it's an Easter miracle. It really is. Um, but no, Paul tried his hardest. Obviously, you know, he works very hard on producing this show. Uh, uh, we haven't had a failure like that uh, in our in our far too many years doing this show. Uh, so what can you do? I mean, it's just how it goes. Um, uh, it was a good, but uh, we've had a lot of good ones lately. You know, we're having a good. It's a good show. It's a good show. I think that people should listen to. Yeah. Uh, we're going to keep that momentum going with the WrestleMania show, and boy, is there a lot to talk about on uh, on this week's show. I suppose the first thing we're going to do here, lads, because I know I think uh, some of us have watched some of the non uh, WrestleMania action from the. Uh, from the weekend so i'm gonna start by asking who has watched what um i'll go first uh i watched evolve 102 and 103 i watched mm. joey janela's spring break number two mm. and i purchased but have not yet watched matt riddle's Bloodsport and the mm. wwn super show um, I don't know when I'm going to get around to watching Bloodsport. I just don't know when I'll have time to. I want to get around to watching that super show, though, uh, because that, Paul, I don't know if you're aware, that has a uh, Matt Riddle-Will Ospreay match on it, mm-hmm. um, which, of course, is one of the big matches for the upcoming OTT show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I heard it was one of the best matches of the weekend, so I'm very excited to Ooh. see that ahead of us seeing that live. Um, uh, but yes, so so that's what I watched this week. What did, what did you lads watch? Paul, what did you watch? Uh, well, I mean, outside of the WrestleMania stuff, uh, the only show I watched was last week's OTT Defiant. 
Okay. I haven't watched the gaff party yet, but I did watch Defiant. Uh, I also have not watched Gaff Party yet. I was really hoping... I mean, it, they usually get it up around Wednesday or Thursday. I was hoping they'd get it up on Wednesday because I was like, if you don't make it to Thursday, you're uh, you're lost in the shuffle, I'm afraid, because there was just so many shows on. Um, I mean, as all, I mean, that's just the thing now with WrestleMania weekend. There's loads on. It starts on Thursday. Friday and Saturday, there is like intense competition as well nxt and uh roh go against each other the hall of fame goes against about three shows um mm. it's crazy so i did not get to watch martina's gaff party it looked great i heard it was great um and i actually and i didn't re-watch defiant either i have not seen the the, the bod of that show so fair enough paul saw uh, uh wrestlemania nxt and uh ott defiant joe what did you see mate i kicked off um the weekend by watching the WWE Hall of Fame. Um, then I moved on to Joey Janela's Spring Break 2. Uh, I watched a bit of ROH Supercard of Honor um, and then finished off, um, after watching TakeOver, of course, I finished off with Shimmer 100. Ooh. And then, and then Mania. Joe watching this whole lots of so this is the new this is now a women's wrestling podcast because we watch OTT Defiant and yeah. and uh, Shimmer so that's good. Um, Paul, why don't we just kind of quickly go through thoughts on OTT because that's kind of not really a Mania Weekend thing. Uh, what were your thoughts on that show? Um, well, let me be a hundred percent transparent here to start off with. Okay. Um, hey, hey, you hate. Eight women. Okay, go ahead. Well, the, let me just say, right? I paid, you know, paid a lot of lip service to OTT and said this is this is a good thing they're doing. Um, it'd be good to kind of give the the women's division a hard uh, reboot, etc., yeah. etc. Et but in my little um, unwoke brain, right? You were like, why aren't they making me a sandwich? You thought I was so. well, not 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 to that extent, but really, I was thinking ahead. This show's not gonna be any good. Um, and I was, I think the word that I would I would use to describe my my thought of defiance was impressed. I think I was, mm. very, I was very impressed um, by certain people on the show who kind of went way above what I was what I was expecting from them. Uh, namely, I would say Nina Samuels looked great. And, uh, yes. And yeah, Valkyrie yeah. as well. I, I was pleasantly surprised as well. Cause I, I mean, I, you, you say, say what you will about unwoke thoughts, but I was, I think I was walking to the show and I was like, you know, the, the, the number of people there was obviously a, a big talking point that weekend. Um, and I said to someone, I was like, okay, it's not going to be a huge crowd. And last time Nina Samuels was here, no one reacted to her match at all. Um, she, you know, it, it was fine, but no one reacted to it. Uh, and she was going against a woman who I, I had heard of, but I had never seen. And I was like, you know what an OTT's crowd like? I mean, if they're not going to know who she is either. So I had, I had some reservations about that. Uh, there was a couple of other people on the card. Like, I haven't seen Laura DiMatteo in a few years, but the last time I saw her, oof, she was... Very rough around the edges, so I, I had my reservations as well. I, I, I think that's a better way of putting that. I mean, I obviously I said unwoke thoughts very jokingly, but I, I had reservations yeah, about yeah, yeah. how how realistically good the show was going to be based on uh, the, the little I had seen of the people involved. Um, but no, I, I, I was thoroughly impressed. I think two two of the matches were standout. 
um, that I enjoyed the most, which were, as I mentioned, the the opening match I thought was really great. Nina Samuels and Sami Zayn. And then the Valkyrie-Katie uh, Harvey match I thought was probably the best match on the show. Yeah. Um, and I think everything on the show was like was was good to great. I think the weakest match was maybe the the um oh, I keep wanting to call her Ember Moon the um Raven Creed, Debbie Keitel match because th- that kind of felt yeah. like a like a contenders match. It felt like two people who are not quite there yet in comparison to yeah. some of the other people. But um, it was, it was yeah. still very good to be fair, you know. And um. And then the second half, I don't know. I felt like I I really enjoyed as well the the Dash and uh, Jordan Grace match. So it was very good as well. And I, I don't know. I felt like the main event was maybe a little bit rushed towards the end. Like the pacing of the main event, I found very strange. Where it was elimination match, and they went whatever fifteen minutes with no eliminations, and then the three eliminations within two minutes. It was just kind of weird that they all just happened that they just don't make an elimination match in that case um and martina i think was very obviously um limited by the injury <laughs> that she had apparently suffered like she was not exactly as mobile as she always is yeah did you see the the you the youtube preview of her previous the previous night's match yeah i did god it's it, it i and i heard i heard from people who were there on, on the night it sounds like she she did kill herself in that match yeah but no, it was it was a, it was a damn fine show. It was was pr- maybe a little bit too short as well. I would say, I would say, which is a weird criticism for me to make about OTT. But like, I yeah, on I the, was I was out I was out of there by like quarter to ten. Yeah, well, even in the the VOD, barely. I think it was like one hour fifty between one hour fifty and two hours. Like it was a very short show. Yeah, it really was. And um, I kind of I kind of would have. Sorry, I, I was gonna say all those matches they advertised. That was it. No, no surprises. Yeah, six, no, six matches. Yeah, six, six matches, and also none of them went long. Like they were quite. It was like a typical OTT Tivoli show. It's very brisk. All the ma- no, I rarely does a Tivoli show do the matches outstay their welcome, and that was the same here. But there's, there's usually two more. It's typically like eight. Um. So so yeah, it was a it was a very very short show. But I I think I give it a thumbs up. All in all, I think it was uh I think it was a, a, a well-delivered show f- based on, you know, the, lim- n- uh, the problems they had with it being on Easter Sunday and so on and, and being the night after another show. But um, what was the, vis- visually and audio? What was the crowd? The crowd, ca- the crowd, crowd came across really well, to be honest. Mm. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it did, did, I mean, I think even with the lack of people there, it really felt like everyone was in great spirits at the show and they really they wanted it to be a success you know so that was that was cool what'd you make of them i haven't watched this back so i don't know what did you make of the new heel commentator mm, i i think i'm just I so think. used to don marnell i i'd heard him on the contender show as well the mm. the contender seven show um i think he's still finding his feet and but that's odd because apparently he's, he mentions on the commentary that he's done commentary on other matches i don't know i don't know yeah i i think i think uh well you know obviously the history of irish wrestling being what it be you know i, I think this is a different beast i think i think yeah, i kind of got used to it and i actually grew to really like the d- dynamic of marnell and, Ang- and angle um mm-hmm. that they they just they found their groove you know marnell was gone um and it kind of feels like we're back to square one with this guy it's i felt the same way in contenders um, I haven't watched the final. I actually yet, but... didn't mind when it was um, Humperdinck doing it. 
Humperdinck was okay. It, it was. Um, uh, but but yeah, with this guy, could be good in a, in a while. Uh, you know, I want to give him a chance to find a seat. But my my early impressions are. are are pretty not, not great. Um, I think it's. I think it's also the fact that it's not someone that I I'm familiar with. It's not like someone from the the OTT universe. It's just an, an outsider essentially that has been thrust mm. into the role. I don't know. He lay, he lays it on a little bit thick. I would say. So yeah, that was uh, OTT Defiant, um, uh, which was released this week. OTT on demand, obviously, if you're curious about that. Uh, let us jump into the Mania weekend uh, shows here. Uh, one of the biggest shows of the weekend: uh, Ring of Honor, Super Card of Honor, five point eight thousand wrestling fans, just under six k sold out. For the biggest Ring of Honor show in history, that is pretty remarkable. Um, uh, ROH is like one of those things that quietly doesn't have the buzz in the maybe in the online wrestling circles that it used to ten years ago, but in reality is actually doing extremely well and is probably doing the best business it has ever done ever in its history. Um, uh, massive success for them, Joe. What was uh, what was the show like in, in terms of what you saw? Um, I only watched a few matches, so I watched um, Kose Bushi versus Adam Page, which was, uh, as you'd expect, a very good match. Mm. Um, I watched the Women, the Women of Honor um, Championship final, so they crowned the first ever uh, Ring of Honor Women's Champion. That was all right. Yeah. Uh, I watched the, the six-man um, tag team ladder match with the Bucks against... Um, your man Daniels and some of the other lads. Oh, uh, that was pretty good. Yeah, that was good. Um, I mean, I don't really like ladder matches anymore. Although saying that, we'll get to a pretty good one later on. Um, <laughs> but for yeah, yeah, it was it was good. You know, decent spots and all that. Um, we then got to uh, Briscoe's tag match, which was incredibly boring. Um, they're taking on Lethal and, and Tanahashi, and at that point, uh, I looked up the review for the kind of main event matches. And they were both incredibly long and uh, looking at the reviews, quite disappointing. So at that point, I just switched off and thought, okay. eh, I don't want to watch the rest of this show. Um, Fair enough. So what I saw was pretty decent, but yeah, I didn't want to sit through a 35-minute Cody Rhodes, can you make a match? Uh, or yeah, a yeah, half-hour yeah. half Dalton Castle title defense. Thank you. Yeah. So, uh, I had enough. Mm. So yeah, I'm not likely to return to um, watching Ring of Honor anytime soon. It's just, you know, it's, it's sort of good, decent wrestling, but nothing that really would, would grab me in terms of the presentation or the, the personalities that they've got. Yeah, that's fair. Um, like I said, I mean, I feel like I don't hear anyone talk about it, you know, but it's like they're, they're obviously doing well for themselves, which is yeah. good. Um, but yeah, and, and I heard the show was good, but it wasn't one of those things that I um, heard was like an essential uh, watch over the weekend um, emits a lot of other things so uh so yeah um before we uh i just want to before we jump into the janela show and the mania stuff i just want to talk run through the shows that, that we have in, as individuals have seen any notes from shimmer 100 i haven't watched shimmer in like probably at least 40 volumes ago if, if not more so it's not a uh it's not a thing i regularly keep up with but what was your what were your takes on that um yeah, I also haven't watched it in, in quite a long time. I think the last time I watched it, it was all 
the women that are now on NXT or yeah, on the main roster. Stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so it was a pretty, pretty good show. I wouldn't say there was anything particularly stand out. Um, the the opening match uh, was quite fun. It had Chelsea Chelsea Green and Britt Baker in it. Chelsea Green's pretty good, and also quite attractive. If I do, if that's you know allowed to say that these days, you know. Um, Mrs. 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 Zack Ryder, he'll have your fucking arse for that. Oh, hello. Um, yeah, come at me, bro, because I'll take you on. Anyway, that was a fun little match. Then there are a few, few other good tag team matches. The best match was probably um, either Madison Eagles versus uh, Diona Perrazzo or Tony Storm, Nicole Matthews. Both both very good matches. Yeah. Uh, enjoyed those. Then there, were, there was championship matches, which were pretty good as well. Again, I was kind of watching this just before Mania, sort of um, also kind of keeping one eye on, on the, the pre-show as well. And also trying to order a pizza from Domino's, so I didn't have, <laughs> didn't have my full attention. Um, but what I saw was, you know, pretty entertaining. I'd maybe, you know, if they had if they had another show on, there was a big match on it. I'd probably check it out. But yeah, it was decent. Yeah, um, Diana Prazo is one of them. I'm I'm uh, I've been wondering when she'll come over to, to OTT for quite a bit. She's obviously the the significant other of Marty Scurro, who's over here quite a bit. Uh, she's great. She's really talented. Um, um, I've enjoyed her. I haven't. I haven't watched much of the Women of Honor stuff, but she's a regular on there, and she's really good. obviously Tony Storm, then as well as great. Yeah, uh, I saw some 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 good buzz about that card. Uh, in terms of myself, what I saw here that I don't think anyone else saw, I, the two Evolve shows were kind of both solid watches. Um, I wouldn't say I regretted the purchases, but it was just, it was your mm-hmm. kind of like annual reminder that oh, I'm never going to watch Evolve. It's it's. Yeah. Uh, uh, good wrestlers in ugly buildings with quiet crowds. Um, uh, that's impossible. That's impossible to get invested in. It's like once you've once you've seen the other options out there, um, it's it's just it's just insane. And and they were they were good shows. Uh, the first show had Will Osprey versus Ar Fox. Will Osprey is is a fucking crazy person. I think we talked on the last show about the the injury in the New Japan match, the banging his head on mm-hmm. the apron. Absolutely disgusting spot. He was out there wrestling AR Fox, who's a crazy man, and he had so much athletic tape all over his shoulder and neck, and it was actually kind of distressing. And he did yeah. not slow down. He didn't treat it like this was a house show match. He was there in front of. This was the f- the first of all. The show was okay in terms of attendance. It was not great, but it was okay. Um, and he busted his ass like like nobody's business. Um, uh, so that was that was really good. Uh, the second Evolve show was really badly attended. It looked like it was half the previous night, and the crowd were not great on the mm. first night, um, and they were even worse on the second night. And that, I mean, like, the, the shows were, were like okay to good in terms of match quality, but it, it, it skewed everything more towards the okay or bad with how with how the crowd were not responding to anything. Mm. Um, so, so yeah, I don't have I don't have much memory of the cards because, like I said. They they were just kind of okay watchable wrestling. They were not anything uh, uh, too memorable. Uh, I think the first night also had Darby Allen, who, whose gimmick is kind of like he's a crazy uh, risk taker who doesn't care for his own kind of safety. He uh, he faced Keith Lee, who's a big scary three hundred pound man. That was a really cool dynamic. I enjoyed that quite a bit. Um, yeah, Evolve is it, you know uh, there was there was minimal stream issues, so that's a plus. 
uh, but it was uh, it was forgettable. So that's a shame. Uh, so yeah, I watched that, and uh, other than that, yeah, I think we can just jump straight on to the uh, the Joey Janela show, which I think we both watched. Yes, uh, yes. So you, you didn't watch this live, did you? You you. Oh god, on, no, it was like it was only like seven o'clock in the morning, wasn't it, or something? I I have all finished at around midnight. Went for a little nap, set my alarm, and I got up at six a.m. to have breakfast and a show that looked like it was compiled by people on several drugs, not just like you know one or two <laughs> types of drugs. They were on lots of drugs when they put the show together. Uh, this show was yeah. mental. Um, yeah, god, uh, I think I haven't enjoyed a wrestling show from top to bottom as much as this in a in a long while. To be honest, it was it was so much fun. I really really uh, loved th- it. They had. They were uh, in the in the lead up to this show. They were playing the the videos that they showed at the beginning of the broadcast. They were they were. That's how they were announcing matches on Twitter, and they were so clever. They were so funny. Um, I mean, and they were also and one of them in the case of like Nick Gage versus Pentagon was just an old school music video. Uh, they even they, they the preamble to the video is like someone downloading it on LimeWire, like downloading yeah. a, a wrestling music video, and then you fire it up and it's Nick Gage doing Nick Gage things, breaking things over people's head, light tubes, all that other stuff, and then... It's Olympus, uh, it breaks stuff. It's, it's Olympus, it breaks up just a perfect, like, the tone they were going for was so perfect. Um, they had a little 8-bit uh, side-scrolling beat-em-up video where you, at the end you unlocked a match announcement, and it was uh, PCO, pierre Carl Oulette of the Quebecers versus Walter from, from WXW. Uh, all that stuff was so clever. It was they they laser focused in on that particular type of sort of like late twenties wrestling fan who yeah. you know is is the hardcore <laughs> who remembers fan who, things who who remembers things and wants knows uh, wants to remember that they remember those things. Yeah, they re- they want to remember and then they also want like uh, they also like their their fourth wall breaking humor and they and they want to yeah. see. A, 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 a card that feels like names were pulled out of a hat, but in a fun way um, after the show. So, it's um, like if um, Weird Twitter had a re- was a wrestling promotion. That's that's how I describe it. I think that's a, I think that's a, a, a pretty good uh, uh, summary. So um, the I'm trying to think what was was. Do you remember what the opener was? Um, was it the six man sort of crazy flippy match? Oh yes, 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 yeah. I can't remember everyone who was in that, but it was. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know anyone who was in that apart from. Yeah, it was like there was uh, Eli Everfly, who has actually done a few PWG matches, and he's he's semi regular in some other indies. He is about five foot nothing, mm. um, but he was very very spectacular in the match. DJ Z was in there as well. Really great, a, a quintessential indie six man opener where they did ten million moves. Um, yeah. And I mean, the, the contrast between this and Evolve was crazy because Evolve also had one of these matches. They had a four-way uh, flippy do match, and it was yeah. just it was when when you're doing that match, God, it sucks when no one reacts. You know what I mean? When you're when you're yeah. do, doing flips and you're landing on your head and no one's reacting. This one, everyone was gung ho. You could you couldn't see an empty seat in the venue, and and that was great. Uh, I think the uh, uh, was the second match the PCO match. Uh, no, after that, I think it was Riddle, um, James Ellsworth. 
Oh yes, match. yes, yes, yeah. Which I think I think that match was literally put together just so they could do the spot where Riddle went for the knee, and Ellsworth went, "Oh, I'm no chin. You can't knee me in the chin." No, that was brilliant. Yeah. When he tries to push him back in the corner by push putting his hand under his chin, but he doesn't have a chin, so he can't push him in the corner. Ah! God, it was great. And and this, like the other thing about it as well is if you're if you're sick of James Ellsworth and you think his uh, he he outstayed his welcome. Uh, uh, this match was kind of for you because the video before it was him kind of doing his WWE stick of oh oh I'm I'm just so happy to be given a chance and any man with two two hands can win a fight and then they just cut to Matt Riddle's like I'm fucking facing this fucking skinny weird looking doesn't even have a fucking chin <laughs> doesn't even have a chin do I have to wrestle James Ellsworth it was great it Riddle selling the whole story was this great. was this was so good that WWE. WWE recreated it the next night with John Cena and Undertaker. <laughs> yeah, it was that good. It was kind of like the AJ matches actually, because they did give Ellsworth his one near fall where he, he hit the the super kick. Um, but of course, the match was short. But of course, Riddle, you know, eventually won. It was just it was super fun. It was like the best use of Ellsworth in his post WWE career so far. Yeah. Uh, then we had PCO versus Walter. I didn't expect anything from this because I don't know what PCO does these days. I didn't even know he was still a, a, a an active indie wrestler. But he comes out, he's like 50 years old, and and even though he doesn't look like Walter, he he is similarly built in that he's just a big, thick fucking guy, right? Big, yeah. thick guy. Yeah. And he, basically, he, he wrestled a Walter match, which is that he chopped Walter, and Walter chopped him, and inevitably, Walter won the fucking chop match, as he always does, and yes. I've seen I've seen Walter chop some people, I've seen some bloody chests, PCO's chest in this match was, like, among the most disgusting visuals I've seen in a wrestling ring. I've never seen in a chest go like that before. And it, I've it seen was them a- go really red and, like, look like, you know, hamburger. Me, yeah, but not go black. I've never seen that before. That was yeah, mental. It, it was like he had a bad infection or some shit in his yeah. chest. Insane. And the PCO was also doing like springboard moonsaults out of the ring. <laughs> <laughs> and and by the end of the match, so he's and he uh, the, the moonsault was terrifying because like barely anyone caught him, and I think he hit his head on the apron. So the tail end of the match, they're they're having a chop battle. His chest is black. His nose is bloody. He's bright pink like Brock Lesnar. But it was it was a spectacle because the story was that as as bloodied and and gross looking and chopped as he was, he was hanging with the guy half his age who's in the peak of his career. And there was a spot where they had a chop battle where they literally just exchanged chops and everyone got to their feet. And it was like one of the best visuals of the whole weekend. It was mm. fantastic. And then he won. And then he, he won. won. It's great. And it's that like I mean, so like who, like who cares about booking on this? So it's not like it's not yeah. like oh we got to. To build Walter for a title match at the next year's spring break, like ah no, no, it's just you, okay. you just do whatever on this show, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, uh, so that was fun. Um, then we got uh, Nick Gage versus Penta, uh, yeah. uh, Penta L Zero M, in a kind of a traditional. This, this show is actually you wouldn't know it because it's all Janela branding, but this is a game changer wrestling promotion. They are a death match federation. Nick Gage is their champion, so they had a match, and this was basically just a fun kind of just a weapons brawl. They hit each other with shit. Um, yeah, um, they brought out some doors, um, which was funny because normally we complain about seeing the gym door. In the background yeah. of the of the indie shows, but here they actually had the doors under the ring, which was a nice change of pace. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've I'm only familiar with Nick Gage through the, the Twitter folk 
talking about him. Um, so it's quite, quite interesting to actually see him wrestle finally. Um, Penta's name is too confusing. It looks like a fucking license plate. I don't, I don't know what he's playing at. It ruins him for me, to be honest. Just pick a new name. Change it yeah, to Hexagon I, or fucking Octagon or something. I don't care. Yeah, I, I, hate, I hate the new name. And plus, so, mo- most so people... Most people I hear talk about it are like yourself. They're just like I can't, I can't, can never remember what it is or how to pronounce yeah. it or, or whatever. Um, yeah, that's just a, that's an unfortunate, shitty AAA fucking legal dispute. That sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was I thought this match was good, but I was a little disappointed. I wanted, the, I just kind of wanted them to kill each other a bit more. To be honest, yeah, yeah, like one of those lucha underground matches where they're just like blood and mentalness, bloody stabbing each other in glass and just. But it, as it stands, I mean, it was it was. It was a good match, um, and to be fair, I was kind of sympathetic to everyone on this on this weekend because they were all having ten matches. You know what I mean? In four days, um, I think Osprey had seven. I think he had seven matches, including the the one I saw was crazy, and I heard the the Riddle one again was a, a balls out main event. Um, so um, so yes, yeah, so, you know, cut them a bit of slack, and then Nick Gage cut a promo about how he fucking loved everyone. But you're a pussy, and I'll fight you if you don't like me. But man, I love wrestling, and GCW proud of what we fucking do here. But I'll fucking fight any one of you out in the fucking goddamn parking lot. Just, just being a, a crazy man. Um, but uh, yeah, so that was that, and then we had like the the purest technical match on the show, oh, which was uh, <laughs> David Starr versus uh, Mike Quackenbush. I tell you what, I liked it. But I did think it was an odd match to put on this card. Uh, you know, normally um, on a show, you'll have like a, a either a comedy match or a hardcore match to kind of break up all the all the great matches, work great matches. This was the opposite. They had a yeah. kind of work great technical match to to have a little break from all the crazy shit. So I suppose it was a good kind of rest, you know, yeah, rest spot. And uh, Quackerbush is still. Uh, if you like his style, he can still do it. He's still he's still able to go, even though he's like semi-retired or whatever. Um, yeah, that was all right. I, I enjoyed it, but I can understand how you know, it might not be everyone's cup of tea. Um, so then there was the clusterfuck match. This match was it felt like it was two hours long. They um, just kept coming. They just kept coming, and and my understanding of the vibe for this match, they only announced two people at a time: Session Moth and Chris Dickinson. And my understanding with this is they kind of just, if you show up, they just kind of let you go in there. Um, that was my understanding of it. And that was reflected. There was little, there was skinny, fat indie boys coming out of the rafters in this match. I knew barely anyone in it. Um, Honestly, they, they, they could have just started sending fans in. I wouldn't have had a clue. <laughs> is that not who that uh, uh, Jimmy Lloyd guy was? <laughs> I assume so. Uh, yeah, so the match match starts with Jimmy Lloyd and Session Moth. And I was like, oh my God, it is like, it's like 2 a.m. And people are going to have to watch <laughs> watch this but um uh yeah they kept going there were some fun surprise entries they had uh, and there were some like actual names in there like chris dickinson and stuff but yeah lots of people i'd never heard of and, and stuff like that uh, the highlights were the invisible man who who was yeah. in last year uh he got the big win this time after coming so close last year uh, uh that was great um uh and uh, uh who uh, mikey whipwreck as well yeah, who, Mike uh, did not look like he still actively wrestles, but he did a sweet hurricane. <laughs> um, so, so that's all that matters. Uh, the uh, Jimmy Lloyd, by the way, was this is the only good one of these jokes I saw all weekend. He did pile drive the Invisible Man, and so he was ejected from the match by the Louisiana State Athletic Commission. Yeah, uh, that's funny. 
so, so that was right. And then the, and and the, the only thing is, in the first match, the guy did a fucking pile driver off the top rope, so that kind of ruined the the joke a little bit. But. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then so uh, MJF, I think, was the last guy in, but then he threw himself over the top rope, and the Invisible Man won. So there you go. Um, that the commentary on that match was John Thorne, who's the AIW promoter, and Ronald Funches who were pretty much just having fun, just burying it and talking about other stuff not happening in the match. So, uh, yeah, that's, I the commentary was, was pretty funny. It was, it was, uh, I, I did enjoy this match. There were nice, nice spots in there. You had Grado in there. You had Hornswoggle. Oh, um, yeah. I forgot about cre- that. Yeah. Creepy looking Alabama doink. Oh, <laughs> Dan, <yeah>. Dan Seven. <laughs> oh, yeah, Dan Seven. Oh, it's all coming back to me now. Yeah, because it was like, it was like 3 a.m. when this was happening. So yeah. I was, uh, you had uh, Rory Gulak doing the Drew Gulak gimmick, which was funny. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the commentary was, was hilarious as well. Yeah, but in between your Swoggles and your Dan Severins, they were just having people whose like, names I had kind of heard of before, but they were all kind of shitty-looking indie guys wrestling in shirts. Yeah. Uh, kind of seemed like some stragglers from, who were just kind of in the, in the area. But, uh, and then we had the main event, which was the great Sasuke versus uh, Joey Janela. Um, which was uh, wild. Uh, were you having streaming issues during this, or were you watching it on a stream? Or oh no, you weren't watching it live. Okay, no, I didn't watch it live. Uh, there were streaming issues during this, which was a real pain. Um, which is really unfortunate because the rest of the show was fine. But um, they had the match that I think you would expect. They did a ton of crazy things. Sasuke is out of his mind after all these years. He tried to do his old barrel over the head spot where he jumps off a ladder or out of the ring or whatever with yeah. a barrel over his head. And he was, <laughs> was hilarious. Lo- local time, like 3 a.m. He's up there on the top rope trying to put a bin on his head, but not, but not fall off the top rope in the process of putting it on. So he'd, he'd kind of almost get it on and then he'd lose his step. And then he'd be struggling to get it on, and he'd be standing firm, and he could never get it. So eventually, like, Janela's outside the ring on the table. He just throws it at Janela, hits him right in the head, and then just does a a regular uh, front flip off the turnbuckle out of the ring. And, of course, Janela moves. And one of the moments where, like, he hits the table, but the table kind of just comes out from under him, and he hits the concrete. Um, Absolutely crazy. It was a bit long. I think the crowd was getting a bit tired. Um, but they, but they certainly delivered on the promise of the match, uh, which was the two of them killing each other and doing 10 million stupid moves, going through tables, landing on sideways ladders, all that jazz. Um, and then after the match, they inexplicably, unless this is some shtick I'm not familiar with, which I don't think it is. They just did karaoke at the end of the show to (laughs) send everyone home happy. What did they sing? I can't remember. I, I didn't watch the end bit. Oh, uh, it was something like it was something like it's raining men or some shit like that. It was something like okay. a big pop hit. Uh, I can't remember what it was. I'm sure. I'm sure it's, it's everyone's talking about it. But it was hilarious. It was like they just got up and just did. Just Janelis goes, "We got to end this show one way." And they hit the song, and they, they just the two of them just passed the mic around Great Sasuke at like half three in the morning local time, oh doing karaoke. Uh, it was fucking weird, but yeah. Just unbridled joy, unbridled it joy. It was an uh, amazing crowd as well. Really, a big hot crowd as well. Yeah, uh, looked looked really full. Uh, yeah. yeah, you can't can't wrong them on that front. He, they promoted a hell of a thing. Uh, yeah, and so with that, we can probably move mm. in to the uh, 
WWE festivities from the weekend. Uh, has anyone any takes on the Hall of Fame? I didn't see any of it. Um, not not massively. Um, Mark Henry's speech was was quite good. He talked about growing up as a wrestling fan, and um, you know, getting into to weights and all that stuff. And yeah, that was that was quite an enjoyable speech. Um, Goldberg was the headliner. His was quite interesting. I mean, it wasn't a great speech or anything, but he talked about how he was almost kind of ashamed of his, his wrestling career and, um, you know, he was never a big sort of fan of wrestling. But then uh, in the time he was away, I think because of his son and because of the fans, he kind of grew to love wrestling and now he's, you know, proud of all everything he did. Um, so that was quite quite interesting. Ivory's was absolutely mental. Um, she started saying this was, she, she'd never been married, so this was her wedding. And, they, oh God, it was a bit, a bit weird. Um, I skipped Kid Rock because no one's got time for that. No. Um, Dudley Boys were all right. Bit, bit boring. They did all this kind of shtick and. Uh, yeah, I, the, the clips I saw of theirs, I was just like, oh god, they're, you're like, you're actually not funny. The two of you is like. Yeah, they're not remotely entertaining at all. Um, Hillbilly Jim basically recounted every phone call he's ever had in his career from <laughs> 1978 to 1989. Just oh, every single person he met or spoken to um, uh, droned on a bit. Uh, and then Jeff Jarrett, who did the weird thing of, like they did with Razor Ramon, where they inducted him as Razor Ramon and didn't, you know, not as Scott Hall. Yeah. They, they basically inducted him as Double J, Jeff Jarrett. Uh, ain't I great, Double J. So it was very little mention of his WCW run. Obviously, no you know, TNA or anything else he's done. Didn't even really mention the stuff before. Uh, WWE, you know, being in Memphis or whatever else, so it's, it's kind of weird. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I remember there was a, a a Triple H tweet when they announced it, talking about how he had like um something to the effect of him helping cultivate talent. Um, uh, and I was like, oh, I wonder if they're gonna, especially given who's in WWE these days, I wonder if they're gonna talk about TNA. And it's like in the video package for uh, Nakamura and Styles, they had some TNA. Uh, 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 images they had. They've had Dixie Carter on documentaries, and and uh, you know, it f- kind of feels like they're kind of open to talking about that because they're so not an entity worth fearing these days. Um, uh, it is weird. I, 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 yeah, I'm kind of surprised that they didn't they didn't talk about it because that's kind of I think that's kind of a weirdly that's a bigger part of his legacy than they probably want to admit. Oh, definitely, and you'd think after that Dixie appearance in the Kurt Angle documentary, you'd kind of think, well, hang on. They've acknowledged TNA in the in the kind of universe now, so well, yeah. why can't they talk about it? Maybe Vince just didn't see that documentary. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Never watched it. Maybe. Um, also, I think in the trailer they ran for upcoming network content, they have a Hardy's documentary, and I I didn't see this, but I believe someone said that they have uh, Victory Road footage on there for obviously Jeff's you know drug issues. That show was a pretty big milestone in his life. Um, uh, so I'd be interested to see that, but uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Hall of Fame's always kind of hit and miss, and I yeah. nothing about it grabbed me this year, so I didn't watch. Yeah, understandable. Uh, I wonder if I wonder if the Hardys go in in the near future. Probably not while they're active, I guess. Yeah, maybe a couple, few more years. Yeah. Um, so 
with all that said, I think we can jump into the uh, the, the meat of the of the show here. We got two more shows to talk about: NXT Takeover and WrestleMania. So, have we all seen all of Takeover? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's uh, let's get crack lacking here. The opener was the uh, first ever North American Championship match decided in what was basically a, a faux Money in the Bank type six man ladder match. Uh, Lars Sullivan. Adam Cole, uh, EC3, Ricochet, uh, The Velveteen Dream, uh, and Killian Dane. Uh, was this thing, am I mistaken, or was this thing like 40 minutes long? Uh, 31, 31 minutes. 31 minutes. is the. Because uh... it, it was excellent, but I felt like it, I was kind of exhausted by the end of it, like, okay, I, you, you've all killed each other. I, 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 I don't know that it felt that long to me, to be honest. I think I was mm. enjoying it so much that I... Oh, it was, I mean, it was excellent. I don't want to... I, I don't want to... But I didn't even feel at any point like, oh, this is going a bit long. Like, mm. it, it just... If you had told me that it went 22 minutes, I would have believed it. You know, I, I didn't feel the length. Yeah, um, it, was just, it was just something... Just, just something I thought, but... Because, um, uh, I mean, other than that, I mean, I thought this was your typical excellently paced takeover um everything got time to breathe nothing felt rushed but nothing stayed too long mm. with the exception of you know the ladder match for me personally um but uh yeah this was great i thought this was i thought this was on par with uh with the best uh, money in the banks certainly yeah i think i mentioned while i was watching it i think this was probably my favorite ladder match of at least the last 10 years if not longer hmm because it was kind of wild, you know. I feel, I feel like ladder matches lately in WWE have kind of a tameness to them. Mm. Um, and definitely the presence of Ricochet helped. Um, I don't think I've ever seen anything like he was where he's being tipped off the ladder and did a moonsault to the outside off a moving ladder. Yeah. Um, God, God, has anyone ever just come off so natural and belonging in their debut as that guy? <laughs> I don't think uh, so. God, he was excellent. He was so good. Mm. Um, and it's great. Like We've seen a lot of great indie wrestling. We were lucky enough to see Ricochet live a couple times. But there's something about seeing him do all his mad shit in like a well-produced environment where you could see everything. Yeah. Um, and he, ha- he has a crispness about him that's just like fucking insane. Like He's just so good. Um, tell you what, though. Uh, I thought EC3 in this match... Came off a little bit clumsy and a little bit uh, out of sorts. And a lot of his offense looked kind of goofy. Um, he had like a snapmare driver type thing he did that I didn't really like. And a couple of other things. Well, that's his finish, isn't it? The, the oh, one God, I fucking hope not. I fucking hope not if that's, if that's his finish. Please do the overdrive or something instead of no, that. I, th- I think he does either like a headlock driver or a snapmare driver. Something like that. Yeah, I, I, I just thought a lot of his offense was very... Uh, like I don't know, guy in in wrestling training who thinks he's clever but he's not. Um, which yeah, I I don't know. This is his first time in, in there. Big moment for him. Um, I didn't think he looked like terrible, but I I didn't think he looked especially. I think whereas Ricochet looked very natural, I thought he looked a little all over the place. Um, he, he looks old school NXT, not new school NXT. Basically, kind of yeah, a little a little the, bit of the game show NXT, not um, <laughs> the NXT. Um, uh, but I'll tell you what though I'll give him a little bit of credit that fucking spot where like 
he was under a ladder and oh no he was on a ladder and then Damo with Adam Cole. No, he was back. under he was under the ladder. Oh, uh, he was he was under the, the ladder where they did the Damo Vader did. bomb onto him. Yeah, that I just watched that and he goes, look, I how on earth he did not protect himself on that. He just got squished. That looked horrible. He got squished um, once by Dane and then the momentum of Adam Cole coming down on top of it was like doubling the momentum and he got super squished yeah it was brutal it was brutal and there was lots of stuff in this match lots of just spectacular moves velveteen dream doing elbow drops off the four corners oh God. Do, doing uh, the elbow drop off the, the big ladder oh he was gorgeous as well what an elbow drop it was so good um another great night for him um he did he, you know, he did a death valley he, driver on the ladder bridge in the corner as well on ricochet killed yeah. him with it yeah, and looked like he hurt himself as well. Yeah, like I think as Joe said, felt felt a bit wild. Felt like a a ladder match of yore where you couldn't see what was coming, and and your heart was in your mouth for several moments. Oh, my um, my my hands were over my face for quite a few moments. I yeah, don't believe it, what it, was, it was. It was there was one spot where Ricochet did like a a springboard onto a ladder that Lars Sullivan was on to kind of knock him off, and oh my god, it was the it did the not la- look like perfectly <laughs> the ladder broke. Thing. Yeah, the ladder kind of gave out. Um, yeah, God, it was spectacular. It really was. Um, yep. Uh, I was thinking uh, while it, I was it, watching this, um, Velveteen Dream would be a nice little first feud for Ricochet in NXT. Yes. Yeah. Because they they seem to be uh, paired off quite a lot in it. I think that'd be kind of like a natural way to move uh, forward. They've, with had, them. they've had some. The, I think the commentators did acknowledge this. They uh, they've had some social media interactions. I I've, I don't know how. Much well, I, I saw Velveteen speak. Dream. His he doing his tweets about. The, the indie wrestlers. Yeah. Um, I I don't know how much of that is you know true to life or whatever. I you know, but I, I don't know they, much about the Velveteen Dream is true to life, even though he's fantastic. Um, but uh, yeah, so that that I agree that would be a a very solid uh, um uh, first program. So yeah, uh, the winner was Mister Adam Cole. Adam Cole is like, uh, inexplicably over. I mean, he's I like him. <laughs> <laughs> it's a like, compliment there. But it, I mean, I, it, I it intended as such because it's like I think he's good, but like he's like the most over guy in this match. Yeah, he was one of the uh, most over guys in the show, maybe outside of the main he event. He really was, and and you know what? I think if he, I don't think he will, but if he comes out like tonight on Raw, I think he would be a hero. I think he really would. Um, and it's just this is kind of something I've talked about some of my pals who I go to OTT with. You can. Kind of get over it. You can be a meme wrestler and get over. You know what I mean? It's like if you're decent in the ring, but you can you have a catchphrase and your Twitter is all right and your gear is not embarrassing. It takes you a long way. You know what I mean? Um, and it's like I I very much think Adam Cole is over because he has great mannerisms, great facial expressions, and the the catchphrase and the hand sign that everyone can do. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, Again, I'm, I'm, not, I'm honestly, I'm not trying to take... I've been a big fan of his for, for, for years. I think I'm he put in a good performance that. as well, to be fair. He, he did, and he, and he did double duty on the show again. This isn't to say that he's bad or anything. It's just, I, I couldn't believe the level to which he's over. But um, but yeah, so he won. He's your first ever uh, North American champion. I like the belt. You guys I like, uh, yeah, I was going to say I like the belt as well. Very different from the usual. Um, so... Uh, yeah, anyway, this was a great match. As I said earlier, I hate <laughs> I hate ladder matches. I have for quite a while, but this was absolutely fantastic. First WWE ladder match I've seen since probably I don't even know when. 
probably since um, the TLC, early TLCs. Uh, yeah, so um, let's see here. Oh, just some breaking news here. Uh, it looks like uh, network subs for WrestleMania 1.81 million, which I think is the new high. Woo! That is so. North American. Oh, no, pardon, pardon me. That's paid and then free. Uh, paid and free is 2.1 million. So wow. 2 million total and 1.8 paid. That's pretty dang good. Um, so yeah, there's your there's your little uh, business update there uh, as we as we roll on here with the show. Uh, so the second match on the show was the women's match. Uh, uh, Ember Moon defending her NXT title against Shayna Baszler. I think I've said this before with regards to their last match. Um, I don't get Ember Moon. At all, I think the character is stupid. I think, I think as I've seen her pre Ember Moon, and I enjoyed her quite a lot. But just as this character, I think a lot of her moves and her mannerisms are stupid. I think it's an especially stark contrast when she's in there with like down to earth MMA woman. You know what I mean? Who who just wants to grab her in a chokehold and put her out. Um, I thought the first half of this match did absolutely nothing for me. And it really only got good once they kind of did the stuff where where, where Shayna's uh, shoulder was popped out. Um, and I thought the finish was was excellent, where basically uh, Shayna had Ember in uh, on and off. She had her in a, a chokehold, and Ember was like attacking her arm while she was in the chokehold. And it was basically like mm-hmm. a, a, a sort of an endurance battle, like like, can you choke me out before I break your arm, basically type thing. And uh, and eventually Shayna won. I like I just I have, I have no time at all for Ember. I, I don't get the gimmick at all. I don't I, I I think she is very talented. I just think that this character sucks, and I don't know what they're going to do. And I really hope what they're going to do is not put her immediately on the main roster because I would much rather she uh, she works on some stuff before she goes up there. What did you lads think of this mm. match? I enjoyed it. Um, I really like Shayna Baszler. I'm not sure what it is because she's not like a brilliant wrestler. And she's quite, she's quite, she's got flaws, but that in a way that makes her more authentic. And I think that's, that's what it is. She kind of feels quite real. Like she doesn't feel like she's performing. Like she's got, she's got a certain Samoa Joe quality to her. I feel like, I feel like legitimate toughness or the air of legitimate toughness kind of goes a long way. And yeah, I think the way she carries herself. Yeah. She carries herself very well in that aspect as well. Actually, there's no frills. It's just not to use the revivals thing, but no flips, just fists. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I quite enjoyed the match as well. Um, I find myself getting less and less upset with Ember Moon, uh, being because, uh, I mean, she she has a gimmick per, per se in that she has a, a unique look and a, you know, way of carrying herself, but she doesn't really have a character. She's just a <laughs> for all intents and purposes, no different than a Alexa Bliss or you know that yeah. kind of ilk. She doesn't even. I don't. Although she was here for the last few weeks, she wasn't wearing like the wacky contacts, and she, she's just she's just a, a a woman wrestler who's got you know pink and purple hair. Um, but no, I thought the story of the match was really good. I I, I really enjoyed the spot of the the arm stomp on Baszler, kind of the reverse of the what, what the story had been. Leading up to that, um, like the eclipse on the outside, and yeah, I quite like the finish. I think they kind of 
dragged it on quite long, the choke. Um, but yeah, it was it, it was it was really good. Um, and happy to see Shayna win the title as well because I think she kind of needed that at this point. Now she, I don't think she could lost again. Kind of kept that air of legitimacy. So it's good to see her get the get the belt. And uh, I quite liked Ember getting the the uh, live music entrance as well. Yeah, this was apparently Alice Cooper's guitarist. Who I this? That's what they're saying in commentary. I've never heard of this person, but uh, I thought that was good. I I always like to do shows when there's like a a live band playing people. Although the uh, the opening of the show with the what's the band called? Cane Hill or something? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was really oddly done and and in a bad way where they kept like cutting back and forth. Splicing with the video. It's playing yeah. with the video, but while the video itself was also playing in the background of the shot of the band, so it was kind of jarring um and also the the, the music was was bad <laughs> yeah that's the real problem the, the problem yeah. is that the music was really bad um but no I, I i thought the women's match was was quite good i think i think i enjoyed the previous one more um but i did like this one too okay so uh, uh that took us to the tag team match uh which was roderick strong and pete dunn Versus a, uh, the authors of Pain versus uh, uh, Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly. Adam Cole subbing in for the injured Bobby Fish. This was a video package explained. This is a weird match. It was like basically the finals of the Dusty Classic intersplashed with a, uh, a tag team title match. Uh, and so, yeah, uh, it was the crowd were pretty quiet. Um, but the action was okay. Um, and the finish was quite odd because basically Pete Dunne was getting ready to beat Kyle O'Reilly. Uh, Roderick Strong turned on him, laid him out, put Kyle on Pete and revealed that he had joined the... Uh, what the fuck is that team called? The Undisputed Era. Yeah, okay. So this is also... This is one, this is, this is one of those finishes <laughs> where you have to ignore that Roderick Strong was wrestling it like a normal match for 90% of it and attacking everyone else and... Well, I have a theory about that. Go on. Because it was a triple threat match that kind of changed things. Mm. Because he had to make sure one of the other teams didn't win. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, the author of the the pain could have won if he hadn't, you know, been wrestling properly. So he had to wait for the right moment till they were out of the picture and then, boom, strike. So, yeah. Kind of made sense. Uh, The match itself, I, I didn't really... Great I think it was the weakest of the five matches for sure. Um, I really, I really like the finish. I must say, um, really, yeah, because it, it's they they actually very subtly have been kind of building up to this. Actually, uh, like uh, two or three months ago, there was a whole undisputed era Roderick Strong thing where they were asking him to join the undisputed era. And also in the last few weeks, there's been this Roderick Strong, Pete Dunne thing where they were kind of feuding, but at the same time was like, a, you know, one of those feuds where it's like, we don't like each other, but we respect each other. But there was always this kind of like, although they were a team, they weren't, they weren't friends or anything. So in terms of him turning on, on Pete and joining the Undisputed Area, it's actually not like just a twist for the sake of being a twist, but there, there, were, there were little, little hints, little breadcrumbs dropped along the way. And... Um, yeah, I, I found it quite satisfying. 
I mean, I don't necessarily subscribe to Vince Russo's idea of, you know, surprises for surprise's sake, but I definitely appreciate um, being surprised legitimately by something that I didn't expect, you know? But that that makes yeah. sense. So I, 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 I was kind of jumping up out of my chair going, oh my God, it's Jordan Jones! Like that thing they hinted at four months ago was happening now. Um, so yeah. I was very, very satisfied with it, and I thought it was done super well. Just out of nowhere. Ah! Very good. Although, the the problem, as you said, was that the match that preceded it was quite average. Which is a letdown, because the NXT's tag division has, for the last like, three years, has often been the highlight of the shows. It would be good if we got an Undisputed Era versus uh, British Strong Style feud. <sighs> Don't. Yeah. This. yeah. Could build up good. to a war games. What? <laughs> I, don't know. I anything anything's possible now. They done it once. You never know. Um. Anyway, I don't know what point of the show this happened, but let's not forget. <laughs> Paige here. Um. Just wanted to talk to you guys yeah, you about. Did, a li- you didn't do it right, Barry. It was well, Paige here. <laughs> <laughs> God. And uh, I just want to talk to you guys about uh, a movie coming out with uh, some wonderful actors playing uh, me and my brother. And some guys who quite possibly wrote this extremely shite self-serving scene. <laughs> Uh, they played, I think, over the course of the weekend on WWE broadcast. I think they played this four times. This clip from the upcoming Page movie, uh, the movie of Page's life, rather, from Steve Merchant writing and directing, I believe, at the Rock's production. Uh, that's right, please shut it down. It sucks. <laughs> uh, this was horrendous. So. Basically, Paige and her brother are backstage at WWE. They bump into The Rock and they're like, oh, hello, Rock, mate. Uh, Could you give us a wee chippy chip about how to be a wrestler? They don't shake his hand, Uh, by the way. So immediately... (laughs) Immediately they're getting changed in the fucking outside alleyway. (laughs) Yeah, that's why the brother doesn't make it. Um, But uh, then The Rock cuts a very by-the-numbers Rock promo with the two of them just looking at him. And then he goes, "That's how you win around the crowd," and they and they laugh, and it's, it's like this like ugly, flatly directed scene that looks like if you saw it on an episode of Raw, you'd be expecting the Page's brother to pull out a Snickers because it's actually a product placement scene. Oh, uh, like it was fucking. Terrible. It did look like a sitcom, to be fair. It did look, it look- so like they. Like I assumed this was going to be like a big theatrical release. This looked like something that they're going to announce. Uh, streaming now on video on demand immediately when it comes out on the WWE network oh my god imagine but that that was the quality it looked terrible it looked like a scene from extras yeah (laughs) it did rock cameo in oh that's actually perfect just replace Paige with uh, Maggie and her brother with Gervais as Millman oh yes and and then Ricky does a face at the promo oh um, and then, and then after this scene, he goes up and goes, oh, he, right. almost like that every every week. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I I don't do that anymore. And then, and then it turns out he actually doesn't like doing it, and that's the episode. Um, <laughs> uh, 
that's actually great. It looked like a scene from a fake movie. It really did. Um, so my my status on this movie went from intrigued to aggressively disinterested. Um, and the the video of Paige they played before it, my God, that was the worst. First that all, was the worst thing about it. First of all. I I I don't want this to be a podcast where we talk about like you know women's makeup like anyone gives a fuck what I have to say about that <laughs> but, but but again the Homer Simpson makeup gun oh god and and also more importantly than that right is this this the best take you got out of her oh, it looked like she put her makeup on one of those like 20 centimeter wide paintbrushes <laughs> and she looked like she was on her eighth of vodka coke probably I mean that's the real problem she just it was a terrible take and the camera is just right up in her face it's just like oh god it was awful and they played this several times anyway fucking hell it's bad um, so yeah they played that during NXT inexplicably uh, getting back to and then they played the, it like you said they, they 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 didn't just play it once and then go oh Jesus, that's it. they then proceeded to play it three or four times over the next oh god every time it came on it's like here's this big it was red lipped giant faced woman it was at least well looking at movie <laughs> it was at least once during the main show and at least once during the pre-show no wonder Del Rio was drinking so much dealing with that shit oh my god um, oh man anyway, I kid so I kid back to back to the show uh, semi-main event uh, Andrade C and Almas versus Alistair Black for the NXT championship let me tell you something lads go on if not for the Champa Gargano match which we'll talk about in a moment I think this would be the match everyone would be fucking going mental for this weekend I thought this was excellent and just a hair of that match in terms of match of the night here it was so fucking good the, the, their timing both of those guys was like perfect the entirety of the match yeah uh their timing was incredible especially on the finish so of course selena vegas getting involved the whole time and again she is excellent she is excellent because there's never a spot where the ref where the ref turns and sees her doing a move and has to pretend he doesn't they always get it right they never fuck it up. And she's been doing this now for, like, what, six months? Um, so they never they never fuck that up. So she's getting involved all this time, getting all this heat. Everyone's booing her. You know, Almas is one of the best wrestlers in the world, but nobody's cheering him like he's a hero. They're, they're dead against him, which is great. And then the finish is so perfect, because they're doing all these great near falls. They're both kicking out of everything. Um, uh, they do a great black mass where Andrade falls near the ropes and she puts his foot on the ropes, which is always a great spot when you do it right and you don't do it too often. So they're doing all this and then she's up on the top rope towards the end of the match. Uh, uh, Almas shoves Black sort of in her direction, but he ducks. She flies through the air. He catches her. And what I really appreciated was that he didn't that like he didn't sell and fly her backwards like oh no I got cross bodied. He like catches her to like save her, but his his hands are then full and he catches a black mass seconds later, and um uh, and that's the pin for Alistair Black. God, it was great. And you can so imagine less good people fucking that finish up a million different ways. Um, this was excellent. I loved it. It was it was definitely very very good. I mean, there was there was like I said, timing on some spots was just so dead on. There was one where 
I remember it almost hit like a spinning elbow that just was like perfectly timed, um, where where black just like turned into it. Um, and then there was one where I don't remember what he hit him with exactly, but Alistair Black went for something and his back was turned to Almas and Almas just hit him with something like dead on, perfectly timed again. Um, yeah, again, I think it was I think it was maybe not quite as good as the Almas Gargano match. I think actually, you know what? I think technically, on a technical level, it was probably even better. I don't think it quite had the emotion or kind of the, the story to it. But I definitely think it was um maybe this yeah the second or third best match of the of the week um that i saw anyway um yeah totally felt like a a top uh main event level title match even though it it was only 18 and a half minutes long didn't quite get the you know 25 minute triple h length match but um yeah it was definitely excellent it was very very good um, yeah, and Alistair Black smiled for the first time that I can recall. <laughs> um, Where was this almost the whole time, by the way? I don't know. I, I, you know, I think he had to deal with some shitty booking. To be fair, yeah, um, came out with his suspenders on. Back, not not here, but back in the day, that was his thing. Yeah, back in the day. I mean, hat. and like that, and that does make all the difference because I love when he comes out with his mask as well, which is so cool. Um, uh, you know, now it's just a little reminder of you know a little bit of character there. Hey, I used to be a luchador. You know, you know that's that's cool. Whereas the suspenders and the hat looking like a stripper. You yeah. know, it was it was a bad look. I watched the video package, and they showed him like beating up Alistair Black in the car park, and he was wearing his fancy three piece suit, looking like a million bucks coming out of a limo. And I was like, this company should never look in Alberto Del Rio's direction again for the rest of time because <laughs> they have a version of him that is so much infinitely better in every conceivable way and is more or less doing basically his character minus the the rich aspect you know the the, the fiery tempered rich mexican heel i think like, the only thing del rio actually, might have over him is maybe his promos but aside from me, that but, but, like, like Del Rio was a good speaker, but at the same time, you never really—he never really had great promos. At the same time, you well, know what I Al- mean? Almas can barely speak English, to be fair. I, I, he can, but again, that, that's what managers for. And it's like Absolutely. Del Rio had English, but but you know all the other baggage he comes with, including no showing impact this week, baby. <laughs> uh, uh, which is great. Biggest fucking show of of their company's existence, maybe in years. First ever Mania weekend show, and he just didn't show up. That was great. Um. So yeah, I was watching that and I was like, this guy is everything they wanted Del Rio to be, oh, excuse me, to be, uh, and even more. So yeah, excellent match. Uh, How long do you think until he shows up on SmackDown? Uh, at least one rematch with Black. Okay. We're thinking later uh, in the year or next year. I, I don't think they can leave him down nicely for another year. I think he's too good for that. I think he's too good. I think they will do. I think he might be maybe s- raw after like SummerSlam or something like that. Because um, he's been so- he's been um, signed since November 2015. Yes, yeah. Um, which is which is a decent chunk of time. He's he's uh, ready though. He's ready now. He's he's got the the the. The gimmick, he's got the the manager, he's got the the in ring work. I mean, I don't. Aside from his promos, which again, he has the manager. I yeah. don't think there's much left for him to really develop 
I think he's. I think he's. Yeah. he's ready. I hope they have the confidence in her to let Zelina Vega just do the promos and oh, not. I think it. they will initially, yeah. at least. Yeah. Certainly. Yeah. I mean, they 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 really should. There's no there's no point to like Tony Idol. Yeah. She's a huge part of the act. You know. Yeah, and it's like you know, yeah. It's 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 just it's just. A bugbear I have with them is that their, their constant need to just have everyone speak, you know. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, so this, this was great. Both these people are money. Um, don't want to understate Black's performance. He's always great. Um, uh, and yeah, I look forward to that. So, so then we had the main event of Johnny Gargano versus uh, Tommaso Ciampa. This was the big unsanctioned match for Gargano's career. Uh, ostensibly no rules in this match. It was just, uh, you know, your, your, your classic uh, street fight. This, I think, was one of the best endings to a feud in at least a decade, if not more. I actually don't think I can think of one uh, comparable. And to me, it then also puts the feud itself in the conversation of some of the best that WWE has ever done. Um. I loved this match. It was brutal. It was angry. It was heated. And the various callbacks and allusions to story elements from the past were excellent, I thought, uh, including the finish. What did you guys think of this match? Pretty good. I mean, I thought it was excellent, like like yourself. Mm. Um, That's good. Uh yeah, I, I thought I thought it kind of spilled slowly into a a full on barn burner. Um, but by the end of it, I was totally into it. And, um, I I was even to the point where I wasn't sure which way it was gonna go. Like it seems now in retrospect, so obvious that Johnny Gargano was gonna win. But that's that that's kind of the the hallmark of a good a good wrestling match is is you you, for, you get so lost in it that you. you you for, you forget your your preconceptions about which way is it going to go. So I I was buying um, near falls for for Chomp and I was totally into it. And yeah, by the end it was fantastic. I liked like the crutch stuff was a good callback. There was the little um, almost um, re- reconvening of the tag team together where um, Gargano almost like took pity on Chomp and. I don't know what happened to Tommaso Tomas Ciampa's eye, but he did maybe broke an orbital bone or something. Because by the end of it, his eye was nearly swollen closed. Um, yeah, it was. It was again, again, maybe not as good as the Gar- Gargano Almas match from last month or whenever the last takeover was. But yeah, um, th- yeah the best match of takeover or WrestleMania for me. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, the weekend. Uh... I just loved that these two have such great reactions and were, were telling such a great story. And that's been the story of them since they started teaming. I mean, you think back to the Cruiserweight Classic, even, you know, the, the post-match thing there. Oh, man, uh, I didn't even think about their Cruiserweight Classic match. That was like my favorite match in the Cruiserweight Classic. They did an, an allusion to it at the end of this match. Yeah, of course. Because um, And it was just, like, this is... This is so what I think wrestling fans want and what you so rarely get is just all these callbacks and all the now I think I think it was Joe who made mentioned this on the on the chair shot Twitter. 
Um, Ronaldo was screaming about it every time they made a metaphor or, or an allusion to something that happened in the past. So it was like that. That kind of hurt it. And yeah, I thought the commentary. And Nigel, I thought the commentary on this show was was pretty bad. Um, I I really can't stomach Moro. He's so annoying. Um, but um, but I mean that didn't take from 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 it. I mean they had all the crutch stuff, which was great. And then the big finish was that uh, Champa took off his knee brace. Uh, uh, he and Organo both gave each other their their kick and knee respectively that they used to do together. wasn't enough to put it, the other one away. So uh, Champa took off his knee brace. He was going to give Johnny this big unprotected uh, uh, knee shot. Gargano protected himself by striking Champa in the knee with the brace. And then uh, he, he was going to deliver a death blow. He broke a, a crutch in half. And, like He was going to stab Champa with it or something like that. I don't know. But um, it was such a great character moment. Gargano goes to swing it. Champa flinches. And Gargano hesitates. Because, again, Gargano is this... He's a, he's a pure, innocent boy uh, who, who was betrayed by his best friend. And so, ultimately, he doesn't want to kill him. Champa's, like, there hesitating. And he's sitting on the mat. And Gargano says, ah, maybe I won't kill him. Maybe, maybe we can be friends. Maybe we can work this out. And I was watching this. And I, I was like... No, Johnny, don't sit next to him, Johnny. You can't trust him, Johnny. You go, he's not to be trusted. And I was like, I really hope, I really hope the finish of this match isn't Gar- Gargano sits down, Champa clocks him and pins him because that makes him look like the biggest doofus. Uh, but they sit down, recreating the cruiserweight classic fight uh, 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 moment. Uh, Champa does go to betray him. He goes to swing the brace. Gargano sees it coming, ducks it, puts him in a Gargano escape with the brace across his face, and Champa to- uh, taps out. Uh, God, it was perfect. What a perfect finish. Um, uh, really, really incredible stuff. And so uh, Gargano is back in NXT. I think the reason uh, why that spot worked so well as well is, uh, like I said, the real the real life injury suffered to the face of Tommaso Champa. Kind of made yeah. him more sympathetic at that moment, where you're looking down at this like mm. beaten, beaten man with a big swollen eye. Mm. Um, kind of played in to the the whole like he like he was given up, like he had had enough, and he he wanted to make amends. Kind of played into it that way. It was very very good. And the yeah. fa- the, fa- yeah, it, the facial expressions as well by both of them were great. Yeah, I mean it's uh, and it's such a great. Uh, it, it would be so traditionally pro wrestling if Gargano just like hit him and pinned him, um, and it, that that would have been a fine finish if they had done it. But it was such a great nuance and such a a unique aspect of this story that Gargano, who's just this good, likable young guy, he he would look at Champa, who's this who everyone knows is this dirtbag, untrustworthy villain, but he would look at him and go, "Oh, maybe you know, maybe we can work mm. this out." Um, it was, it was great. And it was, it was, it was, uh, so rewarding for, for anyone who followed along. So, so yeah, it was great. Uh, they ended on the best possible high note, uh, for a show. And, uh, yeah. So uh, who knows what's coming next? I would imagine, I would imagine Chomp is around and you know what I would, I would say after, after black, I would, uh, after black and all of us have a rematch, I would say Chomp is probably next in line for a, uh, a big dude. I mean, he's still he's still the top heel. I would say on the whole brand. Oh well, he certainly is the most heat of anybody. Yeah, I mean, mm. he was he was despised um, on the show, which was great. Uh, let me see here. So yeah, that was uh, that was NXT. It was it was really excellent. Uh, uh, obviously, you know, a little little quieter there in the middle of the show. 
but uh, but uh, really really good beginning and ending. Um, so uh, let me see here. I guess we can just jump straight into the um, uh, uh, WrestleMania show. We got no time to waste because it was seven hours. Maybe. Uh, oh my god! And I watched Shimmer an hour of Shimmer before this. <laughs> I actually watched. I watched eight hours of wrestling in a row. It's like a work day of wrestling. Well, I could, I, I, could, I have you beaten, unfortunately, Joe. Oh my god! I, wa- I, wa- I didn't watch Takeover live. I watched Takeover right before WrestleMania was happening. And in fact, oh there was maybe a little bit of crossover while we were watching Takeover with the pre-show on one screen oh. and Takeover on the other. And Takeover was, in my head, Takeovers there like two hours long, right? Takeover was three hours and ten minutes long. Yeah, it was a long one. So I watched that, and then watched the pre-show, and watched WrestleMania. So Genesis. by the end of WrestleMania, I was like, oh my god, I can't watch any fucking wrestling. <laughs> like after, in the middle of WrestleMania, I was like, oh my god, this show so long. <laughs> I started to go crazy. Uh, yeah, and the, and, the, and the pre-show as well is like, it's so much fluff in between the matches. Um, Like, the panels are just awful, the... Peter Rosenberg, Booker T, and Renee Young talking to each other like, "Oh my God, uh, Paige here!" Um, that, <laughs> yeah, on on the pre-show. Um, so, so all that. So let's let's get to the matches here. The first match was the men's battle royal. Um, it it's a testament to how good the main card was and how many mid carders actually had matches worth talking about because this was the fucking dregs of the roster. It really was. Oh you had. God. I mean, Matt Hardy, who won, I mean, he was the biggest star in this match. And think of how they positioned him in this company. I mean, it was like, it was Primo and Epico resurfaced. Uh, R-Truth. Uh, Dolph Ziggler. Yeah. Sinkara, who, I mean, the, I know the old cliche is when you're not being used in wrestling, you're sitting in catering. Well, he's been sitting in catering. He <laughs> um, was looking big. He's a big boy. <laughs> I mean, I never really noticed stuff like that. Maybe they got really just maybe they got just incredible in to play Sinkara for one night only. He had a he had a black mark on his boots. So I know that's him. Um, but uh, the absolute absolute dregs. The match is boring, uh, and then inexplicably, right? Like, I mean, who really cares about the canon of the broken universe? But uh, it comes down it comes down to Matt Hardy. Baron Corbin and Mo Joe Raleigh, right? Uh, if you're wondering how star-studded this match was. Well, two, f- two former winners of the Battle Royale. Two right? former winners, right? <laughs> and the one future winner. And so, and so Bray Wyatt's gimmick plays on the screen, which prompts JR on commentary to go, who's that? Um, which, is, <laughs> which was good stuff. And Bray Wyatt comes out, and he helps Matt Hardy win. I can't, now, I can't wait for that 50-man Royal Rumble coming up. Oh, my God. Well, that might be... That's going to be wacky, at the very least. Um, but, uh, so, first of all, as most people predicted, I thought they would be challenging for belts on this show, so I was wrong there. But as most people predicted, they're doing a Bray Matt Hardy team for some reason. Uh, what was the purpose of Bray going into the Lake of Incarnation and, and, and disappearing? To turn him a good guy, I suppose. No, he was supposed to come back as Husky Harris. I don't want to see that. Mm, Neither do I, but if you're going to put him in the stupid lake... Well. Not good enough. Not good enough. Jeremy Borash, what are you doing? (laughs) 
Anyway. Uh, so let me see here. So that was that. It was a waste of time. Uh, uh, so what else did we have? Um, uh, I remember when he was called Axel Mulligan and he had the hockey mask on. No, that would that would have been a nice little call. <laughs> Has there ever been a more indie-rific gimmick in any kind of branch of WWE as Axel Mulligan, which was Bray Wyatt in in a, a wacky silver like hockey mask, like a like a Jason mask, with a black T-shirt on and jeans, r- ripped jeans. With his, with his fists like t- taped with black tape. What a geek. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. uh, so we had the Cruiserweight title match. I tell you what, I'll leave a little bit of crow here. I wanted this to be on the main show. Um, uh, but no matter how much better 205 has gotten, it was really obvious that no one is watching it still in this match. Um, the crowd were polite. They got into some of the near falls, but they did not care about this, mostly. Um, solid match, I thought. Good stuff. Mm. They, um, they, I, I will say, it felt like they kind of knew their place on the card. They did not go out and do ten million near falls. They did not go crazy. I just thought it was a, it was a good mid card match. Um, yeah, I didn't have, I didn't have too many other thoughts on it. I thought Mustafa Ali's en- uh, entrance was very cool. Yeah, he looked great. Oh, with the um, mask. Yeah, yeah, it was very cool. Very cool. Yeah, that was the highlight, really. Not not cool enough to win though, uh, as uh, Cedric Alexander uh, won. I tell you, I really like Mustafa Ali, but when you think back to how like Cedric Alexander was like one of the hottest people coming out of the Cruiserweight Classic, and then they did nothing with him, um, I think this is probably the right the right call. So yeah, uh, more interesting than the men's match was the women's battle royal. I thought, which was uh, the final match on the pre-show. But they told some decent stories in there. You had, uh, I thought the Riot Squad did some cool spots where they were working together to help each other out and eliminate people. Uh, you had the NXT people teaming up together to get people out. You had Kyrie Zane, Dakota Kai, uh, Tynera Conti, um, Kavita Devi. Uh, you know, a couple of. A couple are you of making things. these up or are these real? No, it's Kavita Devi. Excuse me, she was trained by the great Kali. Okay. Um, <coughs> Okay. Just reflect in her performance, I feel, but um, wasn't she from 101 Dalmatians? All right, don't be racist. Um, <laughs> what's but, racist uh, about that? I don't know, I didn't get the joke to be honest. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, Kavita, oh, yeah, no, that's terrible. Kavita, um, <laughs> she doesn't wrestle you to Narakante uh, will. You know what was what was weird about this though was that Becky, Sasha, and Bailey got entrances, but Becky was thrown out like about five minutes into this match. Yeah, uh, uh, I liked her gear; it was nice, but she was she was not the first person out, but she was dispatched fairly quickly. Um, yeah, it was it was solid; it was okay. Uh, and then it came down to Sasha and Bailey with Naomi, I guess, doing the old. Uh, on the floor, but not over the top rope gimmick. So she was out of the mm. ring, but not eliminated. Uh, and Bailey threw Sasha over. She celebrated, um, and then Naomi came back in the ring and tossed her. I kind of liked it because it was like <laughs> Bailey's character is just she's such a fucking loser that she <laughs> finally, 
she finally gets one over on Sasha after Sasha has been fucking with her and turning on her. You know, every every time they're, they're in a match together where one can turn on the other, Sasha always does it first. And, you know, Bailey has been such a jabron. They fucking killed her dead. She gets one over finally, and she's celebrating like a dork, thinking she's won a fucking pre-show battle royal, and then she's tossed out and loses. Um, uh, and so they close with a visual of like her and Sasha like looking at each other, like they both fucked up um, on the floor, and Naomi celebrated. I thought it was a fun. I thought it was a fun battle royal as battle royals go. Um, but uh, yeah, so Naomi wins. I don't know what Naomi gets other than the uterus trophy. Um, that trophy is absolutely hideous, by the way. It is, and it doesn't, oh. look like it doesn't look like it's made out of gold, but then again, neither does the Andre one. That looks plastic as well, so... Mm. At least it looks like a thing. Oh, yeah. Um, they had, during WrestleMania, they did have another trailer for the Andre documentary. It looks, it looks really good. Um, it did not open, however, with, Hello, Andre here. You know, uh, that would have been great, but uh, no joy. So uh, then we got to the main show, WrestleMania. Five hours of pro wrestling action. The opener was Finn Balor, The Miz, and Seth Rollins for the Intercontinental Championship. Seth Rollins inexplicably doing a White Walker-themed entrance. Yeah. Yeah, he had the weird... weird, um contacts on which looks very strange yeah yeah I, I i don't know why like his character is tied to various game of thrones references like it's 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 weird but uh 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 the miz didn't really have also oh, the miz's entrance was they they obviously were trying out new like ar uh uh stuff where they were like projecting graphics but not actually projecting them with lasers but just they they were like floating on screen that stuff uh, was all hideous I thought some of it was okay but most of it was bad I thought um, what, which ones do you think weren't bad uh, there was one at one point where it looked like they had a Wrestlemania sign hanging and it said like live from New Orleans on it and right. I thought uh, and I was just kind of looking at it going is, is that a is which, that a neon sign? Which was the one with like the the lasers? Was it Oscar? The Oscars was ter- terrible. Oscars was that terrible. might have been it the worst. Like, one. Um, yeah, they had masks and like yeah, they had like CGI masks, which looked bad. Fair enough, but they also yeah, they also had like fake lasers. It's like you use real lasers. It's um, like your stage is fucking impressive enough. Yeah, it looks great. Uh, what is this stupid? Windows I, I 98 have, screensaver mask doing in front of me here. Yeah, I, I kind of appreciate that they were trying new stuff, but most of them looked horrible. Um, so anyway, so so Miz did that. Uh, Finn Balor had uh, at first I was I was um, I didn't really care about the demon character. I was like, I don't give a fuck about that. I don't, I, I was su- I was surprised. I, I wasn't like disappointed or anything. I I wasn't surprised because it's like they. I don't think they should do it for every single pay per view. I think they should save it for when he's in a. Well, it's WrestleMania, though. But, but I was I was surprised when he came out and it was just like, I'm a man in a jacket. And it's like, oh, like like you are on Raw. That's kind of disappointing. And then, of course, he walks out through the like the ramp and you see he had what what I would assume are a, a collection of uh, LGBTQ. Well, they, uh, they, uh, they said that that's what it is. 
You don't listen oh, to the commentary on these shows, very Well, I'm sorry. The commentary was largely terrible for this weekend. Like, I don't, uh, you know, I, I maybe drown them out. But, I mean, yeah, so WWE, they're selling a um, uh, uh, a Balor Club is for everyone uh, pride shirt with 20% of the profits going to uh, Glad. Uh, and Balor is a seemingly a big advocate for that. I don't know. Is Finn Balor? Not that doesn't matter, of course, in these, you know, not, not, not that it matters, but is Finn Balor gay or fire? No, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a rumor that he was staying Kathy Kelly for a while. Oh, I, I, yeah, um, I, don't, I don't think that's a rumor. I think that is true, but is he is he a buy, I guess? He can, he, well, he's, he is from Wicklow. He's a good buy. <laughs> oh, my God. He can be a bit buy. That's all right. He could but, uh, be any of, any of the ones. He could be uh, pansexual. He could be. Yeah. Um, he could want to be in love with a dog. I don't mind what he does. Oh, can I, I can, I, can I just say for the record that uh, a dog loving is not included in LGBTQ? No, no, well, Barry, I didn't know you were so, so oppressive. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, anyway, let's um, move on. He's he's you're a right one prison thing, planet, so yeah. Go on. Oh, that's me. One thing that's <laughs> that's evident from his social media for a long time is that he is a a big advocate of this stuff. So it was cool. I remember seeing that and I was like, oh, that's okay. That's cool. Whatever. I mean, do people? I, I remember thinking, do people care about that? Does that matter? But the the amount of people who actually were like jaw dropped at the sight of that on a WWE broadcast was legitimately surprising in, in a pleasant way for me. Like there were people who actually were happy with it because of course this is a company that is famously not very good at dealing with that kind of stuff um so i did see a lot of people who were actually very very happy with it so that was nice um the match i thought was pretty damn good i think it was almost exactly what we would have expected given what we spoke about on the preview show which is now lost forever um which was that they did a lot of moves they did some near falls it never felt excessive it wasn't like moves for the sake of it and uh all good stuff. I liked it a lot. Yeah, I thought it was very good. Very good opener. Um, not much to say on it. Just, just a very, very good match. One, one of the better matches on the show, I think. Yes, probably third best, I'd say. Um, yeah, I'd go along with that. Um, um, it was one of only three matches I gave a score of above a six out of ten. Yeah, because I've gone it, through. It, as I said to you guys before we started, I can maybe touch on this later, yeah. but I, I went through the matches and gave them a little score, like I do a movie. And uh, it's funny, because thinking back, at re- when I was watching WrestleMania, I was I was quite enjoying it. And I, I think I saw a lot of criticisms on, on Twitter and that kind of thing. And I, I think I, I was a little bit more sympathetic um, in, in my enjoyment of the show. But looking back at my scores, it's like, of the 14 total matches... I only gave four matches above or or equal to a score of five out of ten. So actually, it wasn't that good. Um, but this match was certainly very good. Um, Miz, I thought, did well to kind of keep up with Balor and Seth Rollins. I mean, Miz is good. Is he a face now? Did he turn no, face? Mi- no, Miz, Miz, he, Miz is a heel still. He, 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 he's, I guess Miz's shtick now is that he has the, um, the new babby. And... Uh, I don't know whether he's quite necessarily yeah, he was, he, he, doing, he the, was doing the insincere babyface heel, that kind of thing. He, uh, he, he's fighting for the heteronormative breeders. 
Um, but yeah, so Seth Rollins won this. He is a Grand Slam winner, which I feel like Roman and Dean have both had that in the last year. It's like, okay, now... I was surprised. Is... I was surprised Seth won it. I didn't think Seth needed it that much. I, I, I was kind of thinking Balor was going to get it. Because I feel like mm. he kind of he needs to have his little role as, uh, as IC champion or whatever. Whereas Rollins is kind of... I think he's already successfully established enough as, as a big deal on, on Raw. Whereas Balor, for the most part, has been kind of not treading water necessarily, but he's never really kind of etched out his, his niche. Yeah, uh, and he doesn't have his entrance anymore. Or, well, we don't know. Unless that's his new entrance. In, in place of the demon thing, he's just going to come out with the she gay lads. <laughs> yeah. And a t-shirt. I mean, it's, not, it's good, but not quite as... Um, not quite the spectacle of the, the demon. No. Anyway... Um, so, so yeah, so that was good. Uh, second match on the show was Oscar versus Charlotte. Obviously we were, I mean, I think, I think when I spoke about how I'd be interested in this main eventing, I think that was obviously not under any kind of pretense that it would. Well, nobody, um, nobody heard it. So don't worry about it. Yeah. Well, no, I think I tweeted about it. So you know, some people saw it, but, but, uh, it went on second. I think this is probably a good place for it. Cause it was a, I thought it was a great match and I thought it was good that it get on there early. Uh, in the name of, of of getting that crowd reaction, I thought this was really really excellent. The the entrances and the theatrics for this were just so unbelievably great, especially for Charlotte. Um, she kind of did. It seemed like a callback to when Triple H did his entrance, where she was one of the uh, the ladies by his throne. I mean, it was an um, exact callback to that. I think the chair was even yeah. was the exact exact the exact same throne. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so that was that. Oscar should have known she was doing a job, you know, because uh, Charlotte got all the cool shit. Oscar got the CGI garbage. Um, uh, she got like Oscar masks and lasers and stuff. Now her gear was cool as well, but you know, it was not as impressive as Charlotte's. Um, they had a great match, I thought. Uh, yeah. Tons of innovative spots. Charlotte doing a moonsault turned into a triangle by Oscar. Spanish fly from the top rope. Wow. Superplex to the fucking floor, my oh, god. Oh god, that god. was fucking ay, ay, ay. They were killing each other. Charlotte kills herself in these big matches. She really does. Um uh great match and obviously then uh a controversial finish, maybe to say the least. Um Charlotte ending the streak. One thing I will say. This is a great match, and I don't think every match needs to have ten million near falls, but I think this one could have had a few more. You know what I mean? I thought that I, I thought this was a great match, and I, I didn't mind the finish, but I thought I thought it ended kind of abruptly. I didn't expect Oscar to tap out literally at the first time she was put in the hold. That's what I would say. I don't have a problem if you're going to end her streak. Do it at, at this show, the big show, a uh, big moment. We, um, but yeah, it kind of felt like she was beaten a little bit too easily. Um, mm. I felt Charlotte maybe had to work harder or really pull out, pull out some kind of crazy ass shit to be her, but she just sort of be her with her finisher and they hadn't it. even like worked the leg or anything mm, to build to it, yeah. you know. She and, and she only had one arm mm. to do the bridge, so it's like Asuka was beaten by a weaker version of her finish with no build up to it. Which I yeah. guess was the weakest aspect of the match, yeah. Uh, I did like I did like uh Charlotte's selling though, like she was like 
upside down doing the figure eight, but she was like on one hand and her other hand was holding her arm. Oh yeah, uh, I mean, it was very well done, but in terms of the logic was, of the match itself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I agree that if you're going to beat her, beat her here. There's no, in this day and age, with how everyone reacts to wrestling, there's no perfect time to end a streak like that, I think. Yeah. Uh, and I think this is as good as any. I mean, look, Charlotte's the one who in 20 years' time, they're going to be talking about how she was like literally like an era-defining star. I think it's really obvious now that that's how they're going to be presenting her. Um, mm. Even even I, I, there was some line in the video package. I think they called her like one of the greatest of all time in the video package. Um mm. So, so listen. If you don't, you know, if you have a problem with Asuka losing to her, then I don't think there's, I don't think there's literally going to be anyone they could have beat her um, that that fans would be satisfied with. So I was actually perfectly fine with it. I also think that Asuka has had a bit of a tough time adjusting to the main roster, and I think it's better to beat her while she is still somewhat hot rather than letting her fizzle and turn heel or whatever stupidity they do with her down the line. Um, so yeah, uh, so that was that. Um, and yeah, Charlotte is might is pretty handily already like the hardest pushed woman I think they've ever had. I don't think they've given it. I don't think they've given anyone as much accolades as they've given her. Um, well, wait until <laughs> Stephanie McMahon still to come on this on this card. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, we'll talk about that. She wouldn't say um, it, Barry, but she's a fucking ledge. <laughs> what was it they said on the other show? Stephanie would never say it, but she's a real revolutionary. <laughs> Some shit like that. Oh, oh shit. Said that. <laughs> anyway. anyway. Uh, we, I mean, we can almost go straight to the random match. The US title match, it was inoffensive for way. It was, you know what? It was not bad. It wasn't bad at all. But uh, the finish was Jinder beating Rusev, which really, considering Rusev was just added a couple of days ago. That really screams like a big fuck you for cheering this guy who we who we present as a jobber. Well, the, the match was almost exactly as dull as you would have thought it would have been. And, yeah, and, and Mahal, offensive team. And Mahal, yeah. Mahal beating Rusev, as you say, was just a slap in the face. Rusev looked uh, great. Rusev's very good. And... and um, Aiden English shaved all his hair off and now he looks almost exactly like Zach Gibson. Oh, yeah, kind of, yeah. Uh, Gibbo, who was in New Orleans and he was pictured backstage at WWE. Go on, Gibbo. Uh, go on, Gibbo. Uh, they announced the UK tournament is happening uh, in June, so I'd imagine he'll be a big part of that. Um, anyway, uh, so, by the way, we forgot, we forgot to address... Uh, Shades, shades of your boy at the barrel head. Uh, John Cena was ringside getting shit faced during this show. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, they were doing this thing where they were like, "Hey, I didn't get my match, so I'm sitting here with with you, the people." And boy, every time they cut to John Cena, there was some freak with a belt next to him talking to him. Um, so the worst thing, bad. the worst thing with John Cena. Sorry to cut across you. The worst thing with the John Cena stuff was that I think at least three times, maybe even three or four, they would cut to John Cena during a match. They did it like twice during the Oscar match. Mm. And Cena would just be sitting there completely stone-faced, not reacting to anything, as the camera would pan over his shoulder so that we could see that he was watching the match, as opposed to sitting in, I don't know, a different stadium completely. But he always just, he, he looked so bored. Like, he was not playing the role of fan. He was not, like, chanting. He was not cheering. He was sitting there with his 
big John Cena face. Um, without... Well, I I kind of <laughs> like that on his path because you know what? I think that's how John Cena watches wrestling. Um, <laughs> like a robot. Like, <laughs> like there's many other things. Like he sat and he observed the cruiserweight match, and when it was over, he stood up and applauded like it was a great match. Mm. Like said, I, "Well done, lads." But that would make sense and, if he hadn't done promos where he talked about, "I'm going to be like you guys, drinking and having a good time and doing." Well, I think I think he was having a good time. My problem was just they cut to him seven million times. Um, I think yeah, if Chris I, Benoit I, was still alive, he would I, look I, like he was having more fun. Yeah, I need, I need to just uh, be right back uh, if you guys want to talk about the US title match a bit more. Uh, it um, sucked. It was shite. Um, at least Randy Orton didn't have any spunk on his entrance <laughs> ramp this time. <laughs> no, he probably um, gave that to Big Ixnay. <laughs> yeah. So the John Cena stuff, at least it only lasted a couple of matches. It was... Um, it was at the end of the Oscar match okay. where a ref came out and whispered in his ear and off he ran. Yeah, and he ran, ran up the thing. Um, it's kind of overshadowed the Oscar thing, but I think they've given it enough time. They had, yeah. And at least it then, they then created something interesting to kind of, you know... I kind um, of w- wished, like I, I said um, on the show that no one will ever hear, I kind of wish that the Cena thing was maybe more of a, a thread throughout the pay-per-view. As opposed to, like, after the second match. Oh, Undertaker's here. Well, let me go, go back and get changed then. I kind of feel like... Yeah. If if we had had already five, six matches and Cena is still in the crowd, you could have mm. kind of made a thing out of that with, like, the tension of, is he going to get his match? Is, is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? And I had talked about last week the, the possibility that, um, you know, the main event would have happened and Cena still wouldn't have had his match. Um, mm. happily they didn't do that we'll get to the match obviously later but the match was a big old uh, heap of shit um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just kind of wish that they had drawn that one aspect of it out a little bit more with Cena maybe have referees going back and forth Cena getting updates and no still nobody here and Cena can look all sad and looking at his phone and you know l- l- doing something with it they kind of just really didn't if, if, if you didn't watch the pre-show you really didn't get much of it at all. You just maybe got t- one uh, or two shots of scene in the crowd, and then he ran backstage. Yeah, it's funny because the way it played out made me made me think like, why did they even do the storyline this way in the first place? You know, like it did. It wasn't mm. like this, you know, epic payoff to the whole storyline. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. That's definitely. We'll get that. We'll get. We'll get. Um. Next up um, was what I think some of us thought at one point could have been the main event of the show. Yeah. Um, it was the mixed tag match featuring uh, the debut of uh, UFC champion, former champion Ronda Rousey, uh, tagging with Kurt Angle against Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was felt, felt quite early in the show, but it was probably well timed because the crowd still had some energy left. Yeah. Uh, and I think this was the type of match where it needed the crowd energy. Uh, it needed because it was a bit of a pantomime match, you know, one of those big kind of celebrity style matches. It needed that a hot crowd to get into it. Um, so, what did you think of this match? Um, I don't know that it's even 
praise to say it, but I think this was probably my favorite match of the whole show. Mm. Um, which goes to show you the strength of of this year's WrestleMania. Um, I definitely mm. have to eat some humble pie here because I think on the last few, even if you didn't didn't hear last week's episode, on, on the the last couple of episodes, I think I had um, expressed a, a a fear, let's say, that Ronda Rousey was going to shit the bed. And um, that she, we definitely, what we definitely didn't do was call her Ronda Lousy. So, <laughs> yes, that, get that uh, out of your head right now. <laughs> Good thing we didn't use that as the title. <laughs> Listeners, here's what happened. Right, last week's episode, we sp- we was probably spent a good ten minutes talking about how Ronda Rousey was going to be absolutely horrendous, <laughs> um, based on the evidence that we had seen so far, um, and we came up with the episode title Ronda Lousy. Right. And then we said, let's save that for <laughs> WrestleMania episode. Let's save that one for next week. Um, so I must say, uh, aside from a few moments, which you can chalk up to inexperience, fair mm. enough, I thought she was like outstandingly good. She, yeah, she had the real kind of presence and the kind of the way she carried herself was fantastic yeah there were a few moments where she was doing just some basic moves that were quiet they tr- i think the second thing she clear. tried to do in the match when as soon as she got in she tried to do like some chain wrestling with stephanie where she was like spinning around yeah. her they kind of got a little bit lost but um she moves also, it is with it's with stephanie as well it's not with a kind to, of to be fair you know, yeah full-time work she moves super so. well in the ring like she hits the ropes yeah. really well and she does everything with a a real kind of fluidness um, not quite a finesse, but you know, I feel like yeah. I feel like if she would, would dedicate six months to a year of really, you know, doing this, that she could get extremely good, like really fast. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Given that she's going to be more or less a, a, a part timer, I'm not sure how how good she's gonna get. Um, like I feel like she she would need to go down and and work some NXT house shows for a couple of months, you know, to to really get that level of experience. Yes, um, but I was very very impressed, I must say. Um, I mean, when you think about it, it was, she, <laughs> um, you know, she comes she obviously a very high level athlete from her UFC days and Shayna Baszler mm-hmm. and you know, has shown that the the crossover from MMA to wrestling and you know, can even look at other cases like Josh Barnett and people like that. That it, it's not impossible to cross over from MMA to 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 WWE, especially if you are, you know, athletic and you have those kind of attributes. Which which she does and like I said, she she was able to hit the ropes well. She moved around the ring well. Um if anything, I think she, she did things a little too quickly. I don't want to use the old uh, veteran wrestler advice, but to kind of slow down uh, half a step. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought I, I was very impressed by how she handled herself. Um, on the other hand, Kurt Angle, I have no idea how he got cleared. He, he can bar- oh. he can barely move yeah. at all. It's made me quite sad to be honest. Watching him, just it's a little bit like, sad. Everything he does like is the burns. Yeah, I mean his punches don't look good. 
he doesn't aside from the German suplexes and obviously the like the ankle lock and stuff, he doesn't really do the, the, the Kurt Angle stuff anymore. It's not really like watching Kurt Angle. He's kind of shuffling around. It was really really felt bad for him. Yeah. It's like I, late day it's like late day Hogan. Yes. I think Hogan moves better than this. Well I mean you hopefully you, we Hopefully we get Angle Hogan next year, but I don't you know. You hear yeah. the horror stories from like a decade ago of like, you know, Kurt Angle can't even stand up backstage and stuff like that. Yeah. I don't know how he got cleared. I have no idea how. Um, so he was not very good. Triple H jacked to the gills, dancing tits <laughs> when Kurt Angle came out. Big old and, titties. And, and as immobile <laughs> as that typically implies. <laughs> like, the, him. it's funny because it was like, it's like him and Kurt are like the oh well they're gonna carry the match. It's like they were like the worst thing about the match. The two of them, yeah. Um, uh, like like I, I'm totally with you on Angle. A mobile, old, kind of sad, a shell of his former self. And Triple H is just again old, slow, bloated, you know, boring. Um, yeah, everything everything rounded. So if you, sorry, I was away there from what my tummy was at me. Um. Uh, you guys talk about Rhonda herself yet? Yeah. Yeah, we talked about how we buried her last week and said she was going to shit the bed. Um, <laughs> and then thankfully the tapes were lost. Yeah, yep, yep. I'll I'll, I'll take to that as well. I think she was tremendous. Uh, now, I did think it was very kind of prepared and it kind of felt like a halfway house between an actual wrestler and like it, it felt like, you know, when they have a, a celebrity come in and do one match. Oh, it absolutely yeah. um, felt like that. Absolutely it, felt like that. It felt like that. Like, oh, she did a clothesline. Are you kidding me? You know, it was a little bit about that. But regardless, it was entertaining. The only thing about this was, this was the most WWE match ever. Because I thought, right, they're teasing the Stephanie thing. Fraser. She's pulling her hair before the match starts. Ronda's sent out. They're teasing the hot tag forever. Angle's fumbling around the ring like your granddad. And I was like, great. Ronda's going to tag in. She's going to put Stephanie in a hold. Stephanie will tap. The match will be 10 minutes long, right? Rhonda tags in. She gets Stephanie down. She was not prepared for Stephanie's ground game. (laughs) (laughs) Stephanie must have blocked like three armbar attempts before she eventually tapped. I could not believe it. Not only that, but she blocks the armbar attempt the first time, and then the match goes for like another 20 minutes. Like, like that's part of what was impressive about Ronda, was she was in there for a long time. Like, she did not do like I, last week on the mm. show, which is now lost, I I guessed that she would be like the Rock's comeback tag match, where she'd shine early and then do the finish, and that would be it. Like, no, she was in there, she was getting in the ring, getting out of the ring, wrestling Triple H, wrestling Stephanie. Like, she was in there having a proper match, um, which was great in terms of her performance, but my god, she was going back and forth with, with the, the two of them uh, an awful lot. I couldn't believe. Not only was Stephanie blocking her submissions, but she was selling for Stephanie. Stephanie put her in a surfboard at one point. I was like, "Oh my god, this is so WWE. This is so on the nose WWE having her sell for Stephanie." So it was, it was fucking hilarious this match. But but um, everything Ronda did was so over that I think overall it was a success. Yeah, yeah, it was fantastic. Um... There was a little bit intergender wrestling in there, which I was surprised at, that they had any kind of man-on-women fighting. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Rousey's, mm. Rousey's punches were a little bit Shane McMahon-y uh, at points. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, 
Uh, Triple H selling the punches was maybe the funniest thing I've seen in in hundred years <laughs> of wrestling. Um, <laughs> like to the point that it was comical. Like it, it wasn't believable at all. It was it was like comedy. No, it was it was yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I feel like the armbar teasing was almost like with Money in the Bank. You know, when they they tease cashing in the Money in the Bank ten times, and then when they finally mm. do it, it's, it's not special anymore. Then so. I feel like yeah, the the armbar should have just been the finish. You know, don't don't even tease it. It's just once you put it on, it's over. The fact that they teased it so much, I think, kind of took away from when she actually did it. But the moment was still very cool, where she was kind of prizing Stephanie's hands apart with her shoulder, and you could see like the f- finger by finger it coming loose. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I was, I was very impressed. Um, probably my favorite match of the show, of a of a poor show, to be fair. Um, yeah, very interesting um, to see where they go from here with Rousey, though, because they have to put her in now with a, a, a quote unquote real woman wrestler. Yeah, mm. yeah. I mean, she's got a, she's got a, you know, by by their they're saying she's going to be a regular full time wrestler. It's like, all right, well, I guess she's wrestling fucking Absolution with Mickey James tonight or some shit like that. You know what I mean? It's like. Um, yeah, but I, I, I honestly, I wouldn't have a problem saying I, it's not my favorite show, favorite match of the show, but I, I don't, I wouldn't disagree with someone who said it, said it was, um, like even the wackiness with Stephanie blocking the armbar, that just kind of, it, it was just so campy pro wrestling. It really was. And it was like, it was pure pro wrestling. It really, it, it really was. And so that was great. So, uh, that was, uh, that was that match. Uh, what was next? Was it the SmackDown tag titles next? Yep. Yeah, uh, that was nothing. That was five minutes. Um, absolutely heedless. Nobody cared about Harper and Rowan. They won. No pop at all for the finish. Um, it's hard. It's it's hard to imagine New Day and Usos having this this flat a match. At, I, um, I, I I hate to say it because I'm a big I'm a big old fan. I think the New Day are start I run out of steam. I think that whole thing what, is on his last legs. What gave it away? Was it the CGI garbage on the stage? The, 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 the pancake the, dwarves doing the work? Was it the pro, was it the progress roster coming out dressed as pancakes? <laughs> um, you know, I. It was just the fact that they were, they were so superfluous on the show. You know, like last year they were the hosts. They had like an important presence on the show. This year, I mean, they could have just done a one-on-one match with the Usos and Bludgeon Brothers, and I would have forgot that the New Day were meant to be in it. They were such yeah, an afterthought. I, like. Yeah, I, I totally agree. They, 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 Considering the Bludgeon Brothers were just going to win in five minutes, they absolutely could have just... This was on a show where there, there wasn't too many tokenistic moments. Like, usually, you know, they tend to squeeze all the women into, like, a four-way title match or whatever. I think they generally didn't do that this year, but this was the one where it's like, you know what? You should have just left the new day off, but you put them on there because I guess they just couldn't conceive of not having. Well, them on what there. no? What they should have done is left the Bludgeon Brothers off because Usos and New Day oh, yes, have yeah, yeah. excellent matches, and instead here they just were completely wasted in in the sense of serving a tag team that have no heat and are not good. Yeah, and and you know you know they're not going to get over like you know oh, after, no they're, 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 like I said they're right out of two thousand and six SmackDown. In, yeah, the, in between yeah, the, the dicks and the heartthrobs. Yeah, the gear is just horrible. The gear is the worst part. Luke Harper, I must say, though, is in, like, a, a incredible shape. 
And it's such a shame yes. that he's been wasted in, in this role. Absolutely, yeah. Um, uh, and so then we had the Daniel Bryan match. Is that right? Nuh-uh. Undertaker no. John Cena. Oh, yes, yes. Undertaker John Cena. This was the fucking match. So, yeah. John Cena comes out, does his entrance. Uh, the referee who earlier came out and said, oh, he's here, he's here. Came out and goes, uh, I think he's not here. Sorry. <laughs> where is this ref getting his info from? Yeah, where... Yeah, yeah it's, sorry, is this Brian Alvarez giving this guy... <laughs> no, the referee's got a Raj, Rajadonet on his phone. So, so John's like... Oh, <laughs> he's follow, he's following that WWE Mark Calloway Twitter account. <laughs> uh, so... So, anyway... So... So John's looking all sad, then Elias comes out. Well, no, wait, wait. The lights go out. In in one of the best troll jobs I think they've ever done. The lights go yeah. out, and you're thinking it's the Undertaker. But it's Elias, because, you know, Elias comes out and he does his thing. Very, very clever swerve, I thought. Which was the only good thing they did in this entire segment, because this was the drizzling shit. Oh, you didn't like this? Okay, well, I'll... I'll oh, this was, hor- this was horrible. Nothing about this was good. So, so Elias comes out. He does his song. Um, you know, Land of the Rising Sun, because they were in New Orleans, obviously. Cena beats him up, of course. Uh, Cena teased that he was going into the, back into the crowd. Elias taunted him. Cena came back in, beat him up. There you go. Then, John's going up the ramp. Lights go out again. Undertaker's dong hits, and he comes out, makes his entrance, and we nah, have our match. You're, you're skipping to its stuff, Barry. Go on. Undertaker's dong hits, as you say, um, and a, a spotlight is in the ring, and it's his hat and his coat from last year, oh, which is there God, again. Yes. Remember is that that's back. And then lightning hits it, and when the spotlight goes back on, they're gone, which is, I guess, symbolic of the fact that. You know, Undertaker had had put his hat and his coat down. He he was he was gone forever, but now he's got his hat and his coat back. And out, out he comes in in the hat and coat, looking like looking like a hobo, basically. He he this this year he did not have the nice Undertaker shredder clothes. He did not have the nice Undertaker leather like brown and red coat like maroon coat that he had at WrestleMania 30 he just was bog standard Smackdown 2007 Undertaker with his little hat on his little creased jacket and his extensions and his yeah, extensions, his extensions. and his, his dyed beard so so he looked very odd right so <laughs> yes he starts he starts having the match, and he is moving around like the Undertaker of old. And you're like, oh, okay, here we go. We have ourselves a match here. And then he beats Cena in under three minutes. Mm. So, a couple of things here. Obviously, there is a lot to digest. So, as we talked about last week on the show, I was more interested in the idea that they not do a match, and John Cena simply has to pine for another year that mm. he didn't get his match. The alternative that I would have been mildly happy with is basically what they did, which is Undertaker comes out and just whoops his ass. Because well, even though he was moving around nice and fast here, I think that's because he knew it was three minutes. I, I thought I saw him like limping during his entrance. Breaking so, news, by the way. Go on. 
Brock Lesnar has re-signed with the WWE. Okay. And will defend his championship against Roman Reigns in a steel cage match at the WWE Greatest Royal Rumble. Oh my god, the Saudis bought a title change! Oh my god. Well, there's there's that. I yeah, I can't remember if we talked about this last week on the show, but I think I think with the assistance of Dana White, I think Vince McMahon has been working a blinder for the past two months with regards to is Brock Lesnar leaving. Um, but uh, but there we go. I guess we'll we'll have we'll have a follow up on that next week when we do our, our regular show. Yeah. But uh, so Cena, like, I don't think they could have had a, a regular match these two, and so. I think this is still to progress a uh, Cena has lost his way storyline. Yeah. That's my feeling on this. My question is this. Some people, I was, because this, this was weird. I'll say that much. It was fucking weird. I don't quite know what the point of it was. Mm. Some people said that they thought this was a make good for his shitty last match last year. And that now they have a match where Undertaker can they can show footage and look undertaker he didn't look embarrassing he hit all his moves everyone cheered and he won and he went out proud but this was even worse I, than last year's match well it was and it wasn't it was worse in that it wasn't a proper match but it was not like like the end of the roman the, like the last two minutes of the roman reigns match were like embarrassing they were like terrible mm. um, i i don't like, know that i don't know that this match felt like you know undertaker blowing the doors off cena in the way that like Goldberg, Lesnar, or Lesnar Cena yeah. did. It just yeah. felt like Undertaker came out, he did his, his greatest hits, he did the old school, he did a very sad clothesline. I mean, you say he was he was moving like the old Undertaker, I think he was halfway between that and Kurt Angle. He was a little bit a little bit slower, a little bit more tentative, a little bit hunched over. Uh, he did the moves, it, he, he hit one tombstone, and off he went. And it just, it, it, it felt more like it felt more like a, a, a 2017 Brock Lesnar match than a 2014 Brock Lesnar match. Let's put it that way. Like, he was like, I'll, co- I'll come in and do your John Cena match. We'll, we'll be done in under three minutes. We, we head then. It just was not, I didn't, I didn't think it was, it was um, you know, interesting in any way. I, I, as you say, I think it probably will lead to, like, John Cena, like, where's John Cena's way in the world? And, but, well, I don't understand. I don't know what I'm supposed to feel with this whole angle and this match. And the whole segment maybe with Elias, it went on for about 25 minutes with, with a two-minute yeah. match in the middle of it. It was like Eric Rowan versus The Rock. Yeah, but yeah. Cena, Cena looks like an idiot. Undertaker doesn't look like anything because it's just Undertaker. And the it. fans who have wanted, to an extent, Undertaker John Cena for years yeah. get it, but it's two, two and a half minutes long. Yeah, yeah. And, and completely like, devoid of any kind of drama. It's like a cursed genie's lab. Oh, you wanted Undertaker John Cena? Oh, you get it. Mm. In three minutes. And and to that end, actually, as well... Um, uh, oh, what was I going to say? Um, the commentators were like, Undertaker is back. <laughs> yeah. And like, is he? Because, you know, I... I think I kind of do buy into the idea that they wanted this to just be a less embarrassing final match. Um, but I don't know. It was fucking extremely weird. This is one of those things where I think it is going to be a wait for Raw uh, type thing. I want to hear what John Cena says on Raw tonight, if he is there, which I imagine he will be. Um, 
because uh, if he comes out and he's all morose about losing, then I guess that's that's where they're going. But it was very weird as a as a standalone match. So uh, that brings us to Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon versus Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Uh, you could almost copy and paste the Ronda Rousey review in here. When Daniel Bryan was in, it was the greatest thing of all time. When he came out with his music playing, I le- the hair on the back of my neck legitimately stood up. It was like a special moment, right? Mm. It's so cool seeing him. But this was every shite match based around this angle that they've had for the last six months with Shane and Owens and Zayn and all that other stuff and all the melodrama and all the campy acting and all, and most importantly, the McMahon at the center of everything. Because mm. in, in the tropiest WWE thing ever, they powerbomb Brian on the apron immediately and out comes the fucking stretcher. This was this was about as uninteresting as as you could make the Daniel Bryan comeback match, in my opinion. The stretcher comes out now. Thankfully, he doesn't go on it, but he's sitting on it for like five minutes. And so, of course, we gotta watch ten minutes of Shane McMahon throwing his shitty punches, <laughs> sitting sitting in a Kevin Owens headlock. Like this uh, was so boring. Yeah. Was so boring. I'm sick to fucking. Right. I hope. I hope because Brian and Shane will this. I mean, I'm assuming obviously Zayn and Owens will be back in some capacity, but please, Jesus, don't let it be on SmackDown. This needs to end. This is this is the pits. Everything to do with this angle. So that sucked. Brian eventually came back and eventually fired up, and then again, it was the greatest thing ever. He was flying all over the place doing his drop kicks. He did the yes kicks. And he put Zayn in the yes lock and uh, tapped him out to a huge reaction. It was great in that capacity, but this was another abysmal McMahon match, I thought. Yeah, it was. And, and we were kind of anticipating that maybe it would be Shane that was the one that wouldn't be in the match to start off with and would come out, considering he's just come out of hospital. Yeah. And for them to then do it the other way around was was baffling display of... of um, reverse logic. Yeah, oh, it was boring. I like Dan. I like Brian's comeback and all that. But yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, they also tried to claim that the attack from Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens is what gave Shane diverticulitis. Even though they stated, the, they stated the opposite on their like WWE.com article, where, yeah. they, where they explicitly uh, said that it was you know unrelated. If the, oh. if. Vince tells the WWE doctor to diagnose that, then that is what he will diagnose. So <laughs> that's that fine. Uh, and so after the match, then obviously Daniel Bryan uh, had a big old snog with Bree and uh, Shane's kids were there. So he celebrated them. So that was all good. No, no heel turn from Shane or anything like that. So, so mm. there you go. Uh, Alexa Bliss versus Nia Jax. Uh, this, I like the Rousey match. This was the thing that I was expecting to go significantly shorter than it did. I think... Uh, the match was actually, I thought it was, that match was pretty solid, considering the dynamic of it. Alexa Bliss, this absolutely teeny tiny heel versus Nia Jax, who, who is, is much bigger than her. Um, I, thought, I thought bits of this were okay. I liked I liked their reactions. I thought they, they did a spot where Jax like, screamed that Bliss and Bliss like, tried to run away terrified and all this other stuff. And mm. it was good. I liked, I liked Jax. Uh, she basically killed Mickey James at the very beginning of the match to stop her from interfering. 
as a nice touch, but uh, the crowd did not care at all about this. Um, yeah, that bit was awesome where she was destroying Mickey James. That was really vicious and aggressive. But then, yeah, it went on just sort of 10 minutes. It was uh, way too long. Should have just had a smash blister to pieces and take the title. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if they're like terrified to have a women's match go 30 seconds now because of like they think it's bad perception. Mm. Maybe, I don't know. Um, but yeah, and it's like, yeah, this 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 would have been like I think this would have been a, a a solid, much more heated match on like an episode of Raw. But this was our this was into our four, just about maybe at the tail end of our three. Mm. Um, so oh yeah, I, that's the other thing to say. The crowd after the Undertaker Cena stuff, the crowd was dead. Yeah, so so it was it was a real struggle. They had their moments after that. Like I think they were in they were into bits and pieces, but they were struggling at this point. Um, and it is, I think Nia has has come on leaps and bounds in recent months, but I still think she needs a lot of work. Um, so I think I think the crowd were into her, but not massively into her. But, but yeah, so she won. So she's you know at the very least they they, they did the right result. I mean, after doing all the stuff where, where Alexa Bliss was like, you're the basically to say you know you're the you're the fat loser friend, and I'm the I'm the the one everyone likes. I mean that they, they couldn't conceivably have Jax lose unless that was the end of her fucking career. Um, so, uh, yeah. Then we got to AJ Styles versus Shinsuke Nakamura for the WWE title. Shinsuke obviously had a phenomenal entrance with the, uh, same guitarist from, from, uh, NXT came and did his entrance as well as several, uh, violinists. That was cool. So this match was somewhat polarizing. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it was technically pretty sound. I think... I liked that AJ was like shoving Nak around, wasn't letting him do his uh, wavy arm thing on the ropes, you know, kind of, they, they treated it like it was a, a, a serious thing. Um, but they, other than, other than a few spots here or there, the crowd really weren't into this either. Um, uh, and I, I can't quite put my finger on what was wrong. I don't know if it's just, that SmackDown just hasn't been compelling enough and that the angle for this match has pretty much just been, oh, you know, we respect each other and we're, you know, we've been to Japan. You know, like, that too much inside baseball, not enough actual drama, if you know what I mean. Mm. Um, I don't know what it was, but the crowd were into this and just as they started to get into it, uh, it was over. Uh, I feel like they reacted big to the Kinshasa being reversed into the Styles Clash, but that was the finish. So, um... So yeah, yeah. What did you make I of thought it? it was um, boring, baby. <laughs> um, yeah. I just, I really wanted to get into it. When it started, I kind of I put the phone down and, and moved away from the laptop so I could concentrate on the match. And after about five minutes, I was like, oh, just get that, get the phone back. I'm look at Twitter because this is boring. I just, it was just very kind of slow. It was, I mean, I, I I watch those kind of big New Japan shows and I do sort of enjoy them. But I'm not a massive fan of the, their kind of main events or matches. They are very slow and methodical and at times. And um, sometimes I just want to see someone go through an announce table. And yes. <laughs> that's not what we've got here. Um, so, yeah, and, and they're both baby faces. And, and Nakamura's just been quite disappointing. So, I don't, I don't know. I was worried this would happen, to be honest. Yeah. Any thoughts, Paul? I th- I thought the match was okay. Um, as you say, like it seemed to it seemed to end just where they were kind of picking up the pace. Um, 
I, I, I was more a fan of the, the post-match stuff than, than maybe the match itself. Yeah. Um, so after the match, Shinsuke proposed to AJ and, and, he, and he said, will you, will you join me in the gay community? And AJ said, the gay community? Mm-hmm. Um, no. So Shinsuke kind of got on one knee to hand AJ the title and hit him with a low blow, which... <sighs> Another surprising was, shock thing. Yeah, which I kind of think was the right idea. Because maybe I think, like I mentioned on uh, with regards to maybe why this match didn't work, is that everyone always talks about how, you know, Shinsuke doesn't show up very often. And he, uh, you know, in terms of actually going balls to the wall in the ring. Mm. It's like, well, you, you can't expect fans to be invested in him when he does show up. Like, you can't expect them to be invested in WrestleMania when, when he isn't bringing the goods on SmackDown and all this other stuff. So... Maybe that's part of why this match wasn't over. And so I think maybe heel turn might be the right direction because it maybe gives him a bit of an edge that he is currently lacking. Um, Absolutely. I don't know. It was a very weird decision because when they signed him and when he was on NXT, you got the vibe that he was a megastar baby face for life. Um, mm. But, uh, I mean, look, hey, if, if something's not working, you change it up. And I feel like this isn't working. So, um so yeah, we'll see. Uh, interesting, interesting. I, I'm intrigued to check out SmackDown this week and see what the direction is. Also, this obviously uh, positions him better for a potential Daniel Bryan match. Ooh. Yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to see uh, a heel Nakamura. I think he's definitely got kind of the the skill set for it, and uh, I'd like to see him with a bit more of a a heel cocky swagger. I think it'll be very good. Yeah. Yeah. It's a shame because I was really hoping this match would be great. And although I don't think it was as bad as a lot of people, I think it was it was fine. I think it was okay. Um, I think were there not something after the match to be the talking point, uh, I think it, it would have been more harmful than anything. Because, I mean, this is like Nakamura's third pay-per-view title match. And he's not won any of them. He lost twice to Jinder Mahal. Yeah, I think mm. you can only do that so many times before somebody then has the, uh, a kind of loser stink on him. So yes. at, at least the heel yeah. turn done here kind of shifts the focus away from that. The, the story is not so much that he lost again, but that it's, it's a change in the character, you know. So I was very happy with that. Yeah. Um, so yeah and I think maybe the, the fact that it was two baby faces didn't exactly help the match anyway. I think the match probably a potential rematch might be better with a face heel dynamic to it anyway. Sure. We'll see. Um, you think, you think they'll change his music and stuff? Uh, no, mm. I don't like the idea of someone having different music when they're <laughs> heel and a baby face. Just have your, your music, you know, I know they've done that in the past when somebody turned heel, they, they give them, you know, more brooding music, but, I think uh I think uh Nakamura should probably keep his music as it is. Um and so then we had our, our buffer match, which was the raw tag team titles. Mm-hmm. Braun came out and said that he wanted to wait until he got to New Orleans to decide who his partner would be, which sounds like something that the creative team said. Mm-hmm. Um and so he went out into the crowd looking for a partner. And he points to a little boy and he goes, "You." I, he, I thought it was a I, girl. 
until he, they, he yeah. asked him his name. I, I also was not sure what it was. It. Um, t- it. <laughs> the child was a boy. Just rap anyway. it, whatever it is. <laughs> uh, so brought him back to the ring. Now, some positives about this first. I was, <laughs> I was oh, watching this I live. And this. I was, Go on. No, but, uh, this isn't actually a positive. This is just an aside. Uh, I was like, you know, having the, the bounce and I was making the jokes at this match and I was like, please, Jesus, don't let this turn out to be a Make-A-Wish child because I'm, I'm going to feel terrible um, mm. s- screaming at him to hold the tag rope. Um, but um, positives about this, right, was that I don't know who this kid was or if he is like a relative of a performer or what. I think yeah, this... he's a referee's kid. Yeah, right. That's the, that's that's what I've heard. Right. So so he, if you wanted the, the someone to play a, a cute, wide-eyed child, the most like stereotypical definition of what like WWE likes to present as their their adorable little child fans, I thought he was very good in that role. Right, and he also didn't freeze in the moment. Right, which which you would imagine a ten-year-old would do in front of seventy-five thousand people. Right, so that was that. And when they won the match, it was very cute. He was very happy, and I, I'm sure it's a moment that might play well on like Facebook or, you know, the and finally section of some news show. Right. Mm. So that's the positives. The negative is what the fuck was this? Yeah. What the fuck are they doing with Braun Strowman? I mean, what the actual? I they well, he was wandering around looking at fa- looking at fans and saying, "Oh, right, do you want to be my partner?" I was like, "What are they doing with this guy? Wasn't this guy a main eventer like four months ago? What the fuck is happening here?" Mm. They this whole thing made him out to be a complete jabron, and God knows what they're going to do tonight. I assume Nicholas vacates the title and and they do something else, but. This was fucking weird and stupid and bad. Yeah, and and especially as because the match was was a penultimate match, I thought that meant they actually had a kind of big surprise or you know a decent kind of partner, and that's why they'd saved it. So that kind of made it even more like God. Yeah, when you do the mystery partner thing, and then you don't pay off, it's it's like a double disappointment almost. Because mm. not only is it is it a lame payoff, which it certainly was, but also you don't get something cool. So it's it's like in football where you know there's there's a last man challenge in the penalty area where it's it's a penalty and a red card, so you're getting mm. you know doubly penalized. It's kind of like that. Not only do you not get whatever you're Bobby Lashley or whatever. Not only is it not that it's some kid. Instead, and the 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 triple uh, kick here of the fact that Braun Strowman is almost <laughs> irreparably uh, ruined here um, by this stupid angle. It sucked. Um. So. Uh, so yeah. Uh, let me see here, and that that took us then to the. Uh uh, the main event, which was uh, Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns. Obviously, now with that breaking news about three signing, this whole thing does and doesn't make more sense. It does make sense in the sense that uh, um, 
Uh, obviously, keep the title on Brock if he's re-signed. That's good. Um, but it doesn't make sense with the with relation to if Roman is the next challenger and hypothetically winning. Boy, did you not do him any favors here. Um, so here's what happened in the match. It was very similar to the WrestleMania 31 match, except the crowd decided they have had enough of Brock Lesnar during this match. Uh, And they were... I thought that they were less vehemently anti-Roman Reigns. That could have been tiredness, but it it seemed like they really weren't, like, disgusted by Roman Reigns like they were. Like, I remember when I was in Texas, it was like every time the guy sort of got on offense, it was immediately stand on your feet and start screaming boo. That was the vibe. Whereas this was kind of like some of the people hated him, but some of the people were just kind of shitting on the match. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, so they were doing this match. Brock is throwing him around, and these were the... These were, like, suplexes in the loosest definition ever. He was killing Roman with these uh, suplexes. Uh, and so the, uh, uh, the big spot or the big several spots rather was, uh, Roman kicking out of the F5. The F5, of course, has been beating people for two years. The, the first F5, no kicking out of finishes, no, no, uh, 10 million near falls in these Brock matches. Even, you know, the AJ Styles match, all these other matches, Brock wins with one move. Roman kicked out of, I believe four, was four or I five. Was- I think the fit. Yeah, four. I think it was four, and the fifth one beat him. No, um, it's the sixth one beat him. The sixth oh, one beat him. it was five, yeah. I thought it was six. I, okay, maybe it was five. I could, not, I could not believe the level of apathy for the kicking out. Like, can you imagine a wrestling storyline where you protect the finisher for two years and... And a guy kicks out of five on one show and nobody cares. The the fourth one was through a table. And honestly, I mean, I, I, I kind of want to go back and watch it. I couldn't believe how little people cared. It wasn't even like they were booing. Like, oh, no, boo, Roman kicked out. Superman, we hate you. They just, everyone was done. Everyone was done. There were like light chance of this is awful. It wasn't like the fans were boycotting, but there was like a noticeable chance of this is awful and mm. CM Punk and all this other stuff. Um, so it, it was basically just a really slower Triple H paced version of, of their uh, 31 match. Uh, and then to make matters even worse, I actually I really felt bad. I sincerely, unironically felt bad for Roman Reigns at the end of this. Brock does the thing where he just elbows him in the head three or four times and splits him open. And oh my mm. God, the blood coming out of this man's head at the end of this match was so gruesome. So that gruesome. Bad. That was like fucking Eddie Guerrero level. Uh, yeah, it was Eddie Guerrero or, or Vince in the, in the Buried Alive match with Undertaker just gushing out of the guy's head. And he's firing up. And to be fair to Roman again, he's doing his fiery babyface stick, and the crowd weren't into it. They weren't shitting on it, but they weren't into it. He's, he's blood all over his face. He's firing up as best he can. And he gets f 5 one more time and pinned. And that was like the, the shock result. Um, so so there's your finish. What, what did you guys think of the match, first of all, before we try and comprehend the finish? I mean, I, I just... It's hard to judge, because... It, it it did have that kind of Goldberg Brock Lesnar vibe of the WWE 
as you mentioned, Barry had worked us so effectively to think that Lesnar was leaving and that this was, you know, him doing the final job before he before he went. And so I, I think the crowd was so apathetic because everyone thought, okay, well, Reigns is going to win, blah, blah, blah. He's probably going to kick out of an F5, blah, blah, blah. Who really cares? Uh, but I, I don't know why they did that so effectively when that's not what we were getting because it ended up just ruining the match as a spectacle. And so it makes it hard to judge the quality of the match because I don't know how to separate that from the kind of the reaction and the, the context of it. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a good point because it's like, even if you like the action of the match, I mean, you, mm. you can't view anything... You can't, you can't view the apathy towards the F5 as anything other than like an abject failure. It's like it was, that is such, that's like, they rarely do attention to detail like that, protecting a finish to that level. And the first time they've done it in years and it means absolutely nothing, they, they fucked yeah. it. Um, okay, so I just, I, I mean, and it's like, I, I tweeted about this earlier today. Roman is like simultaneously the most overpushed and underpushed person in the world. Because half mm. the audience, hates him because they think he's like this protected asset. But simultaneously they have like fucked him at every big opportunity uh uh that you can recall. I mean his his big title win he got cashed in by Sheamus. The last time he faced Brock he got cashed in by Rollins. Here, right, he he cries about how Brock is a part timer and doesn't respect the biz, right? He gets his ass whooped on Raw for three weeks. Like he gets the piss beat out of him on Raw, and then this match he gets the piss beat out of him, and pins <laughs> clean in the middle of the fucking like, clean as a whistle, like, other than, than Brock breaking his head open, but that was with his bare hands, wasn't even with a weapon mm. like, Brock murders the guy in the middle of the ring, pins him clean in the middle like, like this is I, I, I think the, the plight of Roman Reigns is really a testament to, to just how bad modern WWE writing is, because he is simultaneously resented for being the top guy, but also never given the ball in a real way. Um, It's hilarious if you just took this match and said, which one of these guys is supposed to be the face of the company and then the special kind of pet project. And it's the guy who got absolutely fucking battered. Well, there are, there are whispers going around at the moment that, that the, the finish of the match might've been changed last night. Um, so I'm interested to see so later in the there's week. There's going to be seven, seven F5s. The, the, the Observer, or, well, you don't get any news from the Observer these days. But I'm, I'm interested to see later in the week if there are any mm. more details about what really went on. There, there are whispers that uh, that Lesnar's re-signing might only be for the one more match with potential, uh, maybe another TV uh, appearance in there. But it seems like, based on what I'm seeing here, that Brock has re-signed so that he'll just lose the title at the, the Greatest Royal Rumble, and then that'll be it. We yeah. Sh- we shall see. Um, Interestingly, yeah, by I, the I, way, this match as well was the on, on, on the longest ever WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the second shortest main event since WrestleMania 11. Mm. The only ma- main event in the last... 23 years, which was shorter, was the Miz John Cena by about 30 seconds. Mm. Mm. And that was the match that had a bunch of restarting and shenanigans and shit like that at the end of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, this, this Brock situation is extremely weird. It's extremely weird. 
Um, it's like, yeah, it's what? Like, Roman wins now after getting his fucking head kicked in several times? <laughs> like, like, I don't know. Um, he'll, win, I don't know. he'll win in Saudi Arabia. They'll do a Saudi Arabia title switch. That's what I'm, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I mean, it's, it's, it's just fucking weird. Um, um, so, yeah. Anyway, but again, you know what? I mean, trying to guess it at this stage is just crazy. It's just absolutely crazy. Um, uh, yeah, so that's that's WrestleMania. There was also, uh, I mean, you mentioned the, the, the change finished. There was also a reported blow-off backstage between Brock and Vince and stories mm. floating around that the Brock doing the elbows is unscripted. Honestly, I kind of see this all this stuff as... as a work at this stage. I feel like they've, especially because with all the Dana stuff, it really seems like they've been trying their best. In Dana, the last who was who was there at WrestleMania last night, and that I mean, that tells you everything, right? Like he was there watching watching the match. Like so, obviously he's on good terms with WWE. I think that like his last fight, I think they'll probably work out a deal where if you know Brock might re-enter that Usada pool, serve his suspension, and I, I think he'll fight in UFC again while under WWE contract. That's my prediction. Um. I think I think Dana and Vince are probably on good terms, and they're happy to keep working together. Vince gets his little angles over. Dana gets his once every two or three years cameo from Brock. I think they're I think they're happy to keep doing that. Um, um yeah, it's very very mm. weird, very weird. Uh, and the the never ending story of Roman Reigns trying to get over continues. Uh, um. Yeah, and that's I think that's going to do it for the uh, the chair shop podcast. What do you think of the show overall, lads? One of the best ever. Um, mm. Well, let me tell you this. All right, I uh, I mentioned earlier I gave every match a score. I won't go through all the scores, so don't worry about that. But uh, WrestleMania had an average match score out of ten of four point three. Wow. Uh, and TakeOver had an average 7.6. Hmm. I thought TakeOver would be higher. Uh, well, I gave I gave uh, TakeOver, uh, the ladder match I gave an 8. Baszler Moon I gave a 7. The tag match I hmm. gave a 6. Black hmm. Almas I gave an 8. And Gargano Champ I gave a 9. Okay. Hmm. Uh, and then in, in the, the, the main show, uh, Men's Battle Royale a 2. Uh, I didn't actually see the Cruiserweight match. I'm going to watch that maybe tonight. Uh, Women's Battle Royal of 5. Rollins, Miz, Balor of 7. Charlotte Flair, Asuka of 7. The US title, 4-way, I gave a 4. The Angle, Rousey, Triple H, Stephanie match, I gave an 8. Bludgeon Brothers match, uh, 3. Undertaker, John Cena, 2. Brian Shane, Owen Zane, a 4. Jax Bliss, a 4. Styles Nakamura mm. a six, uh, Strowman's match I gave a one, and the main event I gave a four. Interesting. So. Yeah, I'd say only three three good matches on the show. Yeah. Um, and one one of which was the the mixed tag, which is a bit of a kind of pantomime celebrity match. Yeah. So it was started it was- out brilliantly. Those first two matches, wow. Then it kind of. Mm. Kind of petered out from there. <laughs> petered out very quickly at the uh, three-hour mark. Oh well, it's always next year. It's always next year. Thirty-five, the big one. Mm-hmm. That will also be in Saudi Arabia. 
<laughs> well, that's good because the time difference is as bad. Uh, take us home. Alrighty, that will uh, that will do it for this week's show. Uh, if you want to follow along during the week, you can go to at Pod on Twitter. CheshirePodcast.com is where you can send us an email. Obviously, when we come back to doing the show there next week, we'll have life golf, game golf, movie talk, and all that other jazz, and we'll be reading your emails. So you can go to CheshirePodcast.com and send those in if you want. Uh, and yeah, we'll be back to normal later this week. Uh, oh, God. No, we're going to have another awkward week here because I'm away again on Sunday. Um uh, but uh, maybe another Monday show, or you two can just go ahead without me. You can semper, you can you can soldier on there without me. Um, so anyway, uh, until next time, it is goodbye for me, Barry Murphy. It's goodbye for Mister Joe Towner. Goodbye. And it's goodbye for Mister Paul Griffin. Goodbye. Goodbye.